Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Jones Report. Tyler Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us. Coming up on today's show, going to be joined by Ryan Fowler, Alabama football insider. We'll get his insights on the Crimson Tide, the number one team in the land heading into 2021. Also go around the rest of the SEC and college football, get Ryan's insights there and also get his thoughts on Oklahoma and Texas joining the SEC and more when Ryan Fowler joins us coming up later on. Also going to have Coach Bo's Football Fix presented by O'Connor Advisory Group plus the return of the Pigskin Pick'em and at the end of today's show we'll have our Tom Fullery story of the week as well. A loaded show Thanks for making us a part of your day here on the Jones Report. Thomas Bridges joins me right now. Tom, we have survived our national nightmare. Football is back. We went through week zero, and Nebraska suffered a, a nice loss at the hands of Illinois in Brett Bielema's debut uh, there at Illinois. And Scott Frost, after four years, still can't get his stuff together. Quite entertaining, I might add. Uh, and he's already on the hot seat and such. But here we are, full slate of games ahead. Five straight nights of college football ahead of us. Let's get after it. Week zero, you mentioned that lackluster game of Nebraska and Illinois. You know, and that was just a, that was a nice little appetizer. But, Jones, we got, we got some real good games coming up. Um, it's a it's kind of a hell of a week one, just looking at that picks, you know, our – putting the picks in i'm like oh you know there's some really good games and some really tight lines to be honest in terms of you know if you're a betting man um but you know jones this is my technically my week zero in terms of being on location uh you know as you know if anybody else you know if you're a regular listener you know anytime in football season i'm most likely in stillwater or in some city in america that Oklahoma State is playing in um, that will not be the case this weekend because I have to DJ a wedding but after this week I will be at every OSU game until OSU heads to Ames for October so and then after that I'll be at every game after that besides maybe Lubbock I don't think I really want to go to West Texas to be honest I don't, there's nothing out there for me so Jones it's it's exciting I'm here for it we're here for it uh, you know, I tried to get a credential to OSU and they, they shot me down. They were nice about it, but I'll be in the stands as a fan this year. Why do you even need a credential? You're not covering the game. You have not, no business needing the credential, but nonetheless. Well, I, really, I just wanted I just wanted one for the West Virginia game so I could go and be credentialed in West Virginia. Gosh, goodness. Uh, bringing us down already. We haven't even started the season yet. Goodness. Um, <laughs> write, wow. a, write a blog on Morgantown, just the absurdity, and maybe I'll burn a couch. Oh, please. Please go burn a couch. Uh, I would appreciate that if you did. Um, but what a start already. We see Scott Frost on the hot seat before the season even starts for everybody else, and they had to at Nebraska this week actually – the big time donors had to buy like 10,000 tickets and give away for free just to keep that sellout streak of 500 games going. It was just beautiful to see 
college football start in the Big Ten with a game that was like nine to two in the second quarter. This was it felt like, okay, this is Big Ten football. This is pretty nasty, but you know what? Maybe Iowa State's going to get that invite to the Big Ten by halftime of this game. I mean, (laughs) here we are. We have made it to this point, and there's so many good games ahead this week. We're going to break them down when uh, Coach Bo joins us later on for the uh, football fix. But looking at this week one slate, Tom – Jones, real quick, I have a I have a question for you. I got a I got a would you rather? You're in Nebraska. I didn't know about Nebraska having to buy ten thousand tickets to keep that sellout streak alive. Would you rather be Big Ten football in Nebraska having to buy tickets to keep your sellout streak alive, or would you? And I I don't I'm sure you saw it. Uh, it looked very Lawrence Kansas esque. Uh, the UCLA Hawaii game. Oh, I'd rather be having to buy tickets to keep a streak alive because you're you're still packing in ninety thousand to that place at Nebraska. Although for UCLA, though, that's a team that looks pretty decent. Um, they might even win the Pac-12 South this year. I mean, now in UCLA's case, they're going to play LSU this week, and there's going to be more LSU fans than. Uh, than UCLA fans in their own stadium. So that's uh, not ideal, but that's reality as far as that goes uh, on that front. But looking at the games ahead this week, we mentioned LSU-UCLA is going to be one of the games we're picking later on. Um, This slate of games, remember last year, we barely had non-conference games. The Big 12 got embarrassed by some Sunbelt teams, but that was really about it. This is the first time in about two years that we've had true non-conference games. And we might have the best game of the year right off the bat with Georgia and Clemson there in Charlotte. Alabama takes on Miami. Louisiana takes on Texas. Penn State, Wisconsin. Uh, Coming up tonight, Boise State and UCF. Uh, Of all these games, Tom, what's the one you're most intrigued about for week one? The game I'm most excited about, the game that you – I'm, I'm thinking here, the game you think I'm most excited about, not the game that I'm most excited about. What game you think I'm most excited about this week on the Pick'em? Um, if I'm thinking outside the box, I would think you're intrigued about Louisiana and Texas to see if Sark gets upset week one at home. You know, that would be the second pick. I'm actually talking about tonight's game, Boise State at UCF. Uh, you know, I think for a Thursday matchup, this and baby Jones, maybe we're a little biased. I don't know how many of the the Nolan Nolan's acquaintances or slash friends in Boise that you follow. And it's it's kind of a weird situation. Uh, a quick breakdown for you. If you, those of you that don't know Nolan, that is our friend in Boise, Idaho, who we've known for some time. And it somewhat has made me a Boise State fan by proxy. Uh, and so I root for Boise State, but then we've got me and, and Billy Locke, again, another friend of the show, hasn't been on in a while, should be, but um, we do a lot of shit talking. Me and Billy are going to Boise in a couple weeks, um, and we've met Brian's friends through Twitter and all that, just the same way me and Tyler Tyler met through Twitter. It's, it's a beautiful thing, but um, all this Boise State versus UCF, trash talking going on it's it's uh it's a it's a very weird place jones have you noticed any of that 
Uh, I've seen it in the past. Um, I, I guess that Boise State fans and UCF fans don't get along and they've never played each other, which I always thought was bizarre. But That's UCF what is the superior program. I mean, they're the largest school in the country. They've had more recent success and they've done it with multiple head coaches. They're the home team. I, I'm I'm finding myself actually rooting for UCF. I hope the Golden Knights pull this off tonight and uh, hold on to their own turf there. You know, they, they very well might. And I don't know if UCF, I think maybe it's a home and home. They go to Boise in a couple of years. Um, I guess it's, you know, maybe that, you know, this is why I'm so excited about it. It's like the, I, I don't want to say little brother because my team always gets the, the name little brother in the state of Oklahoma, but. Uh, it's like the two little brothers fighting for who, you know, who can get a power five spot, you know, the, with, with the big 12 realignment that's happening and just college football expansion. And, and you know, it's like a like a land run right now. Uh, it looks like, you know, Boise State and UCF and, you know, BYU and Cincinnati, they're all kind of battling each other for who's the. You know. Right. Yeah, they're trying to make claim, you know, hold on to their own turf of some sorts. But that uh, that Clemson-Georgia game, man, I mean, I looked at all these games throughout the 2021 schedule, and there's not one on paper that matches Clemson-Georgia when it comes to how good two teams can be uh, right off the jump. And we'll talk about that more with Bo coming up in a bit, but I got to tell you, this one is hard for me to pick. I mean, these are two really good teams, and you know they're loaded on both sides of the ball. Got two excellent head coaches. Neutral site game there in Charlotte. I mean, this is about as good as we can ask for. Clemson and Georgia. And when we talk about the college football playoff and and the future of it and such, these two programs aren't going anywhere. We're talking. Clemson's won their national titles, sure, but they have they're staying right put. Georgia made it to the championship game a couple years ago, and they're continuing to build. It feels like a playoff game between Clemson and Georgia coming up on Saturday night. Uh, you know, it's yeah, we know. I feel like maybe last week or the week before show that we gave our our top four, and I think we both had. I don't know if we know, maybe I, you know, it was, it was okay. Do you put Georgia in as another SEC team that gets in? This could very well be a matchup that we see at the end of the season. This could be, even though it's week one, Tom, this could be a play in game for the playoff, believe it or not. You know, I think in terms of Georgia, you know, for Clemson, they don't really have anybody else in the ACC that is a, is a necessarily a threat. You know, for Georgia, this is a, hey, get this win. You know, I think I think this is a must win for Georgia because if you don't beat Alabama, you know, then you're out. If you lose this one and then lose to Alabama, you're you're not making the playoff. Well, then it's not a must win. If you beat Alabama, you're you're in the playoff. Well, I mean, I, I think you you would okay, it's not a must win, but it's uh it's very close to a must win in my book. Because if you beat out Clemson, then you have that leverage. Even if you do lose to Alabama, you know, it's, it's, then you could get down to the nitty gritty about winning your conference and all, you know, they'll have their tay in the sun to, to prove that. But I, I think this is more on Georgia than it is for Clemson. 
Yeah, maybe so. Um, it, it'll be great. Uh, I'm intrigued by it. Should be a lot of fun come uh, Saturday nights. And uh, what, what a night it will be of these games that we have you know, ahead. The, the one game that I think is overrated on this slate is that Alabama-Miami game. And I, I'm not trying to reveal my pick for later, but – for, for this idea to be like, hey, you know, it's in Atlanta. It's two of the top big brand names, Miami and Alabama. I, I still feel very good about Alabama in this game. I know that they got, you know, a lot of new skill position players and, and uh, you know, going up against a Miami team that brings back a veteran quarterback and De'Ara King is very good and all that. But I, I know injury, that there's been though. some changes in – uh, you know, in Tuscaloosa and such, they got a lot of new players, but they don't rebuild, they reload there. I don't have see Alabama having any issues whatsoever with Miami. I think that's the game that's kind of being overhyped a bit. Yeah, just a little bit. You know, Derek King's coming back from injury, you know, got injured in that bowl game last year against Oklahoma State. Uh, they weren't impressive in that game. You know, they say they bring, you know, maybe bring back a few good players. Uh, this is Alabama, you know, that we're talking about. And you, you mentioned don't give away the pick, da-da-da. I think you'd be pretty hard-pressed to find anybody, uh, you know, taking Miami. And and we'll talk about it later. The line's 14 and a half. I, might, I don't know. It might have changed since we put it in now. But, uh, you know, I think Alabama's going to come off sharp. Uh, that's no discredit to Miami. I think they'll put up a good fight, but we've talked about this several times. There's a tier of teams that is just, what can you do? And, you know, it might as well be called the Alabama tier at this point. I mean, I don't think this is going to be Bishop Sycamore bad, but it could be bad. <laughs> no. Man, the fact that Bishop Sycamore found their way on ESPN, that's like almost – I'm not trying to promote – criminal activity here, but I almost give them credit for finding their way uh, on the ESPN to play IMG. Wasn't that bizarre? I mean, it's like, you know, you, you see those people that end up sneaking into events all, all the time. It's like, you know, they pose as security or media or press or what have you. That's this team. <laughs> you know, I, it's Jones. It, Bishop Sycamore very much so has your energy. I mean, of just rolling with it. They're a step above that, though. I don't do any criminal activity. That's true. That's that's fair. That's fair. They, you know, they found. I'm not the ripping off they... hotels. You know, not paying my bills and such. Here. What? Wait a second. I didn't hear about that. Oh yeah, the coach has a warrant out for his arrest, and uh, people saw him on TV and like, oh my gosh, that's the guy that's got a warrant. <laughs> He didn't pay the hotel or what? Yeah, they, they have not paid numerous hotels. They've been pocketing all sorts of money that's been paid to them without paying their vendors. Well, then this is the, the next greatest Ponzi scheme other than um, <laughs> Bernie Madoff. <laughs> Creative. Really, I think it really should get – obviously ESPN's not going to give it any coverage for obvious reasons. But they really, really should. This is maybe one of the greatest, uh, I don't know, switcheroos or I don't know the term. I don't know. This doesn't happen all the time, so I don't know. I don't have a term for it. But one of the greatest tomfooleries of, of ever. 
right? Man. Uh, it would have been even better if they would have won the game and then found out. <laughs> Is Cam Newton going to be playing for Bishop Sycamore now? He's going to be the coach after uh, the, the, the now coach gets arrested. He's, he's next gonna, in line for the coaching position. He's going to teach his players how to steal laptops, right? <laughs> exactly. It's the only way he knows how to do it. We're going to get he's, Cam Newton, Doug, and basketball coach for Bishop Seymour is going to be Doug Gottlieb. I wish. <laughs> Gottlieb Wouldn't that be a, great? Or maybe, with the credit cards, he'd be perfect for this. It's, it's, it's going to be a guy that looks like Doug Gottlieb, and, and Doug's going to get the blame. <laughs> it's going to be a Gottlieb imposter, but they're not going to be able to prove it, and Doug's going to get in, end up getting the brunt of it. I mean, obviously a 30 for 30 is not going to happen, but we need a movie on this, don't we? We need, yeah, we need a short. We need like a 15 minute short. No, no, no. I need like a two hour major motion picture. Oh, so they did, they did an hour on Malice at the Palace. Have you watched that? Was that really good? That was good. Yes. They need, they need a Bishop Seymour Malice. Maybe we could be the play by play and color guys for Bishop Sycamore. I mean, you know it would be great if we could (laughs) I would love that man within that on the show break this down right oh it would be incredible it would be just remarkable if uh, if we could do that we probably wouldn't get paid they'd probably rip us off too but you know what that might just be worth it in all honesty um <laughs> shout out bishop sycamore uh, uh by the way before we dive into our big 12 breakdown here tom did you see that uh bob stoops has an app now no it does not it's called the bob stoops app and I well, downloaded it. That is so creative. You did. You downloaded it. I wanted to see what it was like. I had to do some research for the show um, so we could talk about this. I'm going to delete this after the show. Um, you're you're keeping Here is what's on the Bob Stoops app. It's got an about section. It's got a link to his Twitter. Um, he's got video breaking down games. And in the video, it's very casual, a different type of Bob Stoops. We see him in a polo and some, uh, like, short shorts. Like, you get a lot of leg of Bob. I mean, you get big leg Bob um, in these videos. And then you can also win lunch with Bob Stoops as long as you mention what your favorite Bob Stoops moment was. Um, what are my chances of winning lunch with Bob if I mentioned, Tom, that my favorite moment was him kicking to a Tyreek Hill about three or four times? Right. Yeah, I was thinking about that. What would I mention? I would I would maybe mention that December 3rd in 2011 coming to Stillwater, just showing up, uh, seeing him in person uh, for the first time in 2011. <laughs> <laughs> Be, I was on the same field maybe for about 10 seconds as Bob Stoops. I was he was probably down at the other end of the tunnel when I was jumping on that field. But for one moment in time, me and Bob shared a moment. <laughs> <laughs> 
it was maybe one of my best sports moments, maybe one of his worst. Well, probably not his worst, to be honest. And he's advertising sustainable solutions. Is that a competitor to like air comfort, air comfort? solutions? Yes, I hope it is. Golly, that weird. That was. Oh man, <laughs> maximizing well, energy second. efficiency what? and air purity. Oh yeah, it's definitely air comfort solution. What's it called? I'm looking it up. The uh, Bob Stoops app is uh, sponsored by uh, Sustainable Solutions. Is that a company <laughs> in Norman? I wonder. I do not see any uh, discounts for rock and roll tequila, though. You know, I, I've never even... So, the people that I live with, my, my best friend and his wife, um, her dad every year gets her a bottle. It's like a running joke at this point. Gets her a big, huge bottle of rock and roll stuff. <laughs> and it's it's... You know, it's the one of the most ridiculous things. It comes in a freaking bottle shaped like a guitar. Um, it's it's not terrible tequila, honestly. It's not better than Terramana. And I don't know if you've had that, Jones. Terramana, that's the rocks tequila. And that's my favorite at this point in time. Uh, and it's delicious. I'm not a tequila guy, but you know what? If I'm going to win this lunch with Bob Stoops, we better be drinking rock and roll tequila together. I'm going to send you this picture. I found the Sustainable Solutions uh, website, and on the front, it's Bob Stoops shaking the hand of some – I don't know who this guy is. Probably the owner, I'm assuming, but let's see. And, and Bob, yeah. please wear pants if we go to lunch. I don't need to see the, the big leg Bob. The big leg Bob. Uh, Steve McKinney and Coach Bob Stoops met through Steve's transportation company. Over the years, they have grown a relationship and now a business relationship. Um, they did. They do mention his time with the Dallas Renegades. What a time that was. Right. Air quality. The air and surface pro with active pure technology. You know, yeah, this is air comfort solutions. Wonder where they're based out of. Let's find out. <laughs> it doesn't say where they're based out of. I'm going to see. Let's see. No, nothing, nothing on where they're based out of. Well, that's, that's a shame. A lot of pictures of Bob on here, though. Uh, that's great. You know, I'm not downloading the Bob Stoops app. People make fun of Barry Switzer for becoming such like a TV pitch man and everything. Like, he, he's got a lot of stuff he... Uh, puts out there like all his Switzer wines and all that and the coach's cabana. Um, I think Bob might be taking it to a whole nother level now. Right. I mean, he's, he's stepping it up, you know, air comfort. This man is uh, going to sustainable solutions. <laughs> he's, he's making the pure air for air comfort solutions. He's, he's got on the back end of it. As long as he's not eating that boomer cue, that stuff's nasty. It's almost worse than Billy Sims. <laughs> it's not just barbecue, it's boomer cue. No, it's it's crappy cue. <laughs> That's not even barbecue, Billy. Stop. Um gosh. That's fine. Bob Stoops. I'm I'm a little surprised. 
Yeah. And, and just the fact that it's just called – like, I'm looking at it right now. It's got 20 ratings, Jones. They have a five-star rating. I didn't see anything on there about, uh, you know, leave them a five-star, don't leave them one at all. The age, you know, they, they recommend, like, the age-wise, you know, it says 17-plus. Uh, it might as well be a rated R, you know, grade here. What's it? What's Bob? Is Bob showing his big leg on this app? It, it's got to be the legs, right? He has, he has, he, does he have a Bob Stoops OnlyFans link on there? <laughs> <laughs> and, and his legs weren't very hairy. You think Bob shaves his legs? Maybe. That's, you know, you type in Bob Stoops and Bob Stoops app comes up. And then there's also a Sustainable Solutions app that looks like it was built the same way as the Bob Stoops app. It's very similar. I'm going to send you this. They had to have – I almost want to leave it a, a, a one-star rating, but I feel like that's bad juju on the football season. So maybe after OU beats OSU, I'll leave him a one-star. Wow. The Bob Stoops app. That is uh, something, folks. Week one in the Big 12 Conference. Speaking of uh, Bob Stoops and the Sooners, let's start there. They're going to play Tulane in Norman. This game was supposed to be in New Orleans. I was actually supposed to be at this game, but Hurricane Ida happened and a few other things. We're certainly thinking of the folks out in Louisiana going through this uh, tough time. Still no power in the city of New Orleans. It's just been a mess, but a really cool move by Joe Castiglione. They are going to have Tulane be the home team still. All the ticket proceeds will go to Tulane as well, and – they're still making a trip to New Orleans in the very near future as well. So this actually works out well for Tulane. They're still going to get that game, and they get the proceeds from this one. Only the lower bowl is going to be open holiday weekend, short notice. They couldn't get enough uh, staff to uh, open up the upper bowl. But nonetheless, Oklahoma at a 31.5-point favorite. Um, Tulane, Willie Fritz has done a good job with that program. They run like a spread triple option offensive sorts. And we remember, we all remember what happened the last time Oklahoma took on a triple option team in Army, almost lost that game in overtime. But when you look at Tulane with their problems they've had of having to practice this week in Birmingham and wondering if this game was going to happen and such, and Oklahoma as locked in as they are, you know, on, on paper looking as good as anybody in the country and such. I don't think this is going to be close. I don't think Oklahoma has any problems with Tulane, Tom. You're not you're not going to go full Al Michaels here and, and take Tulane. You know, the do you believe in miracles? Nothing like that. Not this not this week for the city of New Orleans. Not no, this they're week. they're they're gonna get they're gonna get beat. I'm gonna say 28 points. I don't think OU is going to show obviously the playbook here, so I'm going to I'm going to say solid 28 and Spencer sits before halftime. So 28 that would mean Tulane covers. OU's a 31 and a half point favorite. Okay, I didn't. Well, we'll see. We'll see. I think I think OU's just going to come out and be up. I don't know 42 at half, and then you know let Tulane play around in the second half. Maybe they maybe they let them cover. I don't I don't know. We'll see. It's it's in Norman. How many tickets did you say were sold for this? Uh it's around 40,000. About half of uh Memorial Stadium. 
Um, how about Louisiana and Texas? This is a game we'll pick later on. Texas favored by eight. It's Sark's debut. Louisiana, Billy Napier has done an incredible job there. Remember, they beat Iowa State in Ames last year, beat them pretty handily, had a great season. They bring back almost everybody from last year's team. And Texas, Sark's first game, you got a new quarterback and everything. Hudson Carr is going to get the starts. Tom, uh, Sark, Hudson Card, I mean, they got their work cut out for them. This is a tall task, bigger than I think most folks realize for what's ahead of Texas right off the jump in week one. This is no slouch they're playing. Oh, uh, yeah. They're the, is it still the Raging Cajuns or do they change it? They are. They're not Louisiana Lafayette anymore. They're just the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. So they moved on from putting the city by their name. So they're for real, and I think they're gonna they're gonna come in, and I think they're gonna give Texas a hell of a game. Um, you know the 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 bitter Big Twelve fan in me hopes Louisiana pulls it off. Uh, like I said, we'll talk about it later. But Texas does have their work cut out for them. This is, you know, I if if Oklahoma State was playing them week one, I would be a hell of a lot more nervous. Yeah, I don't think anyone wants to play Louisiana right now. No, um, not in the first game. And then on top of that, Texas, I know it was the Tom Herman days, but this team has not come out hot in their openers as of late. Maryland. Maryland. They lost to Maryland twice. Um, I mean, this kind of has that eerie feel to it like that. So we'll see. Uh, We'll pick that game later, but it's going to be intriguing to see how that one certainly plays out. You got the Texas kickoff between Texas Tech and Houston. The Red Raiders, a one-and-a-half-point favorite. Tom, Texas Tech is an interesting case study for me. Matt Wells has not had a whole lot of success at Tech. Dana Holgerson hasn't done too hot at Houston himself. Um, Matt Wells needs to get to a bowl game if he wants to keep his job, and it might be dependent on this game here, whether they're a six- or five-win football team. Uh, Texas Tech – a lot of pressure on them right away against a, this a Houston team, which should put up a pretty decent fight. Yeah, I think so. You know, and I, I think you're absolutely right about Matt Wells. Uh, if he doesn't make a bowl game, I think he's gone. I think he knows it too. Um, they're going to be fighting for every, you know, every game, every win they can this year. And I, I think they have to set the tone early. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not sure who's, who's QB one at tech right now. Um, but if, if they can, you know, keep the injuries down, I think they'll be okay um, in terms of the season. But, you know, I, this – you know, I, I, we were talking about must-wins earlier, I was, in terms of Georgia. Uh, I think if you're Matt Wells, I, I think you're walking into week one thinking, yeah, the, the seat's already hot. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think you're, you're, you're spot on about that. Uh, another Big 12 – matchup West Virginia taking on Maryland and we mentioned what Maryland's done against Texas in some of these week one contests this is an old rivalry going back to their uh days you know in uh on the uh, east coast you know these two teams uh you know West Virginia and Maryland go back a bit West Virginia about a three-point favorites and uh you know this one to me Tom is one that could go either way Maryland's at home um, but 
I'm uh, I'm not sure how this one's going to go. What do you, what do you think about uh, West Virginia and Maryland here? You know, I I think, you know, for um, old Neil Brown, I think this is he's he's in. I don't know if he's in quite the position that that uh, Matt Wells is in, but I, I you know I think it could be kind of close. Um, I you know West Virginia solid defense. I think their defense is going to be towards the top of the Big Twelve this year, um, and you know. That's a great thing to have when you're playing in the Big 12. But Seth Doji Doge, I forget how you pronounce his last name. I don't Jared, know. I don't Jared, Jared, Jared not Seth. Yes. Does he have a brother named Seth? Uh, you're thinking of the old Texas Tech quarterback. I don't know if they're related or not. Um, Seth Deggy. That's right. But Jared Deggy, you know, nah, that's he, right. It's his second full season as the starter. He played good down the stretch last year. Uh, after Austin Kindle didn't work out and such. But uh, Jared Deggy, you know, West Virginia, you, you like their defense. I think their offense could actually surprise some folks. This West Virginia offense could. Yeah, it, it's, you know, I don't think, uh, I don't think Austin Kindle's ever going to work out. But, you know, I, I think if he can put together a good showing, uh, you know, and, and maybe even just be a, you know, score a little bit, but, you know, don't have – and it's like plus and minus in basketball. As long as you're up on the plus side, you know, you don't have to get crazy with it, I think, for, for Jared. And I'm, I'm looking at it now. They are – I believe they are brothers. Okay. Um, some of the other games, uh, the there's uh, Stanford and K-State. We're going to pick that one later. Uh, another toss-up game. I don't feel good about either team – having that great of a season this year, Tom, uh, between Stanford and Kansas State. Both of them are pretty unathletic, in all honesty. Um, you know, you got some physical football teams, and both these teams are very unathletic. I don't like the uh, the quarterback position for K-State either. I know Skyler Thompson's back, and, you know, they've, they've had a couple other guys that they played last year and such, but – they just not. They just haven't had consistent quarterback play. If Skyler Thompson's the guy in Manhattan, then uh, K State's got their work cut out for them. I, I don't see this team winning more than seven games in 2021. I think they can beat Stanford, but I'm not high on the Cats at all entering this season. No, neither am I. You know, I'm, I think they always play tough. I don't think they're going to beat OU for a third straight year. While that would be awesome if they did, but um, you know, I. So you can scratch that win off. Um, you know, I, I I think I think they're making a bowl game, but I don't think it's more than seven wins. Uh, I mean, I think you'd be hard pressed to to even you know go seven. I, I think six is very doable. Um, you know, I'm not sure what the rest of their non-con looks like, but you know, I'm it would be real good. I, it's hard not to. I I say this from a non-KU fan perspective. In my eyes, it's hard not to root for K State. I yeah. know it's easy for you. It's it's easy. I mean, it's I, I, I have no it. issues. I have no personal axe to grind with K State. Um, they've always been very nice to me. I like their fans, their people there. Um, Chris Kleiman's a good coach, great guy, and such. Um, but I, I have my concerns about the Cats entering 2021, though. Yeah, I think it would be last note on them. I, I think everybody in the Big 12 has got to be rooting for K-State against Stanford. You know, I don't feel the same way about Texas playing the Raging Cajuns. Yeah, 
Yeah, I'm with you. How about Baylor? Uh, this is the last game that is not featuring an FCS opponent. We'll get to those here in a second. Uh, they play at Texas State. Baylor, you don't need to be playing at Sunbelt schools or whatever conference Texas State is in. You're bigger than that now. You've been to some big-time bowl games. You don't need to be playing Texas State. Um, Texas State, though, coached by uh, Jake Spavadol, though, uh, a Tulsa guy. Uh, he's the son of uh, Steve Spavadol, longtime Broken Arrow coach. Um, so uh, we're, we're big fans of Jake uh, here and uh, what he's doing at Texas Tech. But nonetheless, Baylor, they are a, a heavy favorites for this game, about 13 and a half. And their new starting quarterback is going to be Jerry Bohannon. And if you recall, he really struggled when he had to fill in for Charlie Brewer in the Big 12 championship game a couple of years ago after uh, Brewer went down and Oklahoma ended up rallying in the second half to win that game. Uh, Bohannon didn't play much at all last year, but uh, Charlie Brewer not around anymore. Baylor coming off a disappointing campaign last year. And Dave Aranda's got a lot to prove. I mean, we talked about it with Matt Wells. I don't think Dave Aranda, no matter what happens this year, barring some scandal of some sorts, is getting fired. But um, I have my concerns. I think they have taken a significant step down, Tom, from what they were under Matt Rule to what they are now with Dave Aranda. Now, granted, Matt Rule had a shaky start at Baylor, too, and had a, and ended up really good. Uh, there towards the end, but I'm not quite sold on Aranda and naming Jerry Bohannon your starter doesn't necessarily convince me otherwise either. Yeah, Bohannon doesn't really move the needle much, does it? Uh, you know, Aranda, I think, you know, give him a shot, at, you know, and I think you're absolutely right. Even if they lose every game, I don't know necessarily that he's gone. I don't think they will, but, you know, worst, that's worst case. But, uh, you know, it's, you know, you mentioned scandal. That scandal and Waco go hand in hand. That's this might as well be a synonym at this point. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, it's, oh, they got caught up in a Waco. A what a scandal! Um, you know, that's that's terrible. But yeah, Baylor. They you're right. They shouldn't be playing at Texas State. You know, but you know, I think I think a Randy can do it. I don't know if he's no Matt Rule, but. Uh, yeah, I, I don't mind as much as I don't like Baylor. I don't mind Dave Random, not one bit. TCU takes on, uh, the Quincy. Is that how it's pronounced? I've never even I, heard of this I, school. I've heard of them, but I, I'm not even going to try to pronounce it. They might as well be Bishop Sycamore. This isn't a real school. <laughs> no, I, it's in, it's in private university in Pittsburgh. Um, <laughs> Let's just see the pronunciation here. I'll say this much. Um, TCU, I think, is going to surprise some people. I like what they have together uh, as a team this year in 2021 uh, with what they bring back and such. Um, you know, I, I'm not sure if Chandler Morris is going to be their guy, but whatever it may be, uh, if Chandler Morris is not their guy, then that means that they're even better at quarterback. I think Chandler Morris is pretty good. Um I think TCU is going to surprise some folks. This is a team that I think has got an outside chance to win maybe nine or ten games in the Big 12. They could finish, Tom, as high as third in this league, I think. I think you're absolutely right. And, and you know, TCU outside of, you know, OU for Oklahoma State is the game that, uh, State's the game that scares the most. Um, TCU, I think, is fair to play this year. Um, how, Jones, how did you pronounce the university? 
Um, what did I say? Uh, De Quincy. It's actually Duquesne. 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 That's uh, I would have never guessed that. That's you know, if they would have told me to spell that on scripts, you know, spelling bee, I would have failed. Yeah. Um, Use oh, Duquesne yeah, in a sentence. Max, uh, Max Dugan's still there uh, at TCU. I'd forgotten about Max, Max Duggan. He's had some moments. Um, if he can't get it done, though, I think Chandler Morris would be a good second option. I think they're going to be fine either way. Yeah, and, 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 you know, Gary Patterson, I think, you know, I don't know how much longer he's going to coach. I feel like he could be one of those guys that rides off in the sunset. I don't think he's a, you know, coach until he's dead type guy. Um, but I mean, the man already has a statue outside of the stadium. Um, but you know, I, I think he's still got something to prove and, and, you know, in terms of the big 12 falling apart, I don't know where TCU would go. Uh, I, I think they're going to really try to make a push this year. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right about that. Um, Oklahoma state taking on Missouri States. The thing that intrigues me about, this, Tom, is Spencer Sanders in year three. We saw him not really improve last year in, uh, in year two as the starting quarterback. Everyone was expecting him to take a big step up. And he wasn't even the best quarterback named Spencer in his own state last year. Um, now in year three, if, if he doesn't take that jump, Shane Illingworth – is, is right there in the wings ready to get it going. Spencer Sanders needs to really put it together. Granted, I know it's COVID year and all that, weird year for everybody, but um, you could almost look at this Missouri State game. I would bet we see Sanders play the first half, Illingworth play the second half, and let's just see how they compare. Yeah, I think you're, I think you're right. I think that's what will happen. You know, last year in the, in the first game, he gets injured against Tulsa, and then – you know, not necessarily a nagging injury when he came back, but I think kind of was always in his mind. And, uh, you know, Illingworth was right there. And, there were, you know, Illingworth came in and people were, you know, I was probably one of them at one point. I'm sure you could look back at my Twitter and say it's, it's probably a tweet that says, now it's Shane's job. Uh, I'm, I'm positive. Um, but, you know, it very well could be, but which I think going into year three, I think for Spencer Sanders, I think it's going to be a positive this year. He knows – that if he, you know, messes up, then there's Shane's going to be right there waiting to go in. Um, so, you know, that's a good problem to have, I suppose, if you're Oklahoma State coaching staff. But, you know, if you're a Spencer fan, and I am, um, you know, I, th I think he's going to have to put it together this year. I, I think he will. You know, Tylen Wallace, the security blanket, is gone now. You know, you have Brendan Presley and, you know, Tay Martin's probably your top two. Uh they together are not as good as Tylen Wallace was, not yet at least. Um, I think Presley's going to be really good, though. I, yeah, I think he's going to be. I think he's going to have a breakout season. Uh, there's a lot of, I could say on him. I think he's going to be a stud. But uh, in terms of that, he's 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 got to make it happen himself. You know, I, I, he's going to get help. The receivers are always going to be good at o Oklahoma State, but it's not Tylen Wallace. And, you know, I think they've spent probably all offseason building that chemistry. And if, if the bowl game last year was any inclination to what could be, then it, it's looking really good. But you're absolutely right. He's, he's, it's time to put, put it together. Uh, Kansas taking on South Dakota. That game going to be Friday night in Lawrence. 
the debut for Lance Leipold as the head coach at Kansas. And we're going to see this new look Kansas team uh, probably led at the quarterback spot by Jason Bean, the transfer from North Texas. Uh, I actually started a movement on, uh, on Twitter the other day, Tom, um, and, and I had Barstool KU jump on board and such. The motto for this season for Kansas football, assuming Jason Bean is the guy, hashtag let's get beaned. Yeah, yeah, that or, uh, you know, you, you show up to a game in Lawrence and at baked beans, are they going to be in the concession stand this year? It better be. You know, at least some, uh, you know, like – at least, you know, if he's if he's going for the NIL type thing, you got to at least, you know, have a, a menu item, like even a Frito chili pie, but, you know, maybe heavy on the beans. Yeah. Um, for every, every, you know, bean pie that they sell, he gets, I don't know, a dollar for everyone. I don't know. Yeah, and, you know, we'll probably still see Miles Kendrick or maybe Jalen Daniels in this game, but uh, I, I think that Bean's probably your starter. But, you know, for this Kansas team, they're going to take their lumps this year, as they have every year for the last decade plus. Um, but what you want to see is some guys, you know, just kind of break out. I mean, Velton Gardner from uh, Midwest City finished the year really good last year. Um, you also have – uh, Devin Neal coming in. And remember, we did all this hype about Puka Williams a couple years ago. It was how in the hell did this four-star running back get out of Louisiana, not go to LSU, and end up at Kansas? And Puka be one of the best running backs Kansas has seen in a long time. Now you bring in Devin Neal, homegrown product from right there in Lawrence, four-star running back, the uh, Gatorade Player of the Year in the state of Kansas had offers from all over the place. Puka's gone. Um, you have found your replacement. I'm excited. And, and Devin, I know his family. They're good people and such. Um, so, you know, for me, it means a little bit more knowing, uh, you know, I called his games and such, got to know him and whatnot. But uh, that's what I'm intrigued to see is you just want to see some guys step up. Velton Gardner, Devin Neal, uh, say what you want about Kansas, uh, you know, for their weaknesses they've had over the last few years, but the running back position has not been a weakness. Khalil Herbert just got drafted and he uh, made an NFL roster and such. Now you got this next young group, Melton Gardner, Devin Neal and such. KU's putting out the backs. They're going to be all right. Now what kind of pipeline they've got going, but you know, if, if uh, the passing game is as lackluster as it usually is, then uh, you know, Hell, start the start start the ground game, and uh, you know maybe KU will start running the triple option. <laughs> maybe so, but uh, you know it's certainly not a guarantee. Anytime Kansas football takes the field of a win, but you'd like to get one this weekend against South Dakota if you can. Um, not going to be easy, but. Uh, we'll see what happens. So there you have it. That's our Big 12 breakdown for this week. Coming up next, Ryan Fowler is going to join us. We'll head down to the SEC. Plus, we'll have Coach Bo's football fix. And then at the end of the show, we'll have our Tom Fullery story of the week as well. All that more as we continue on the Jones Report. Stay with us. Joining us now here on the Jones Report this week from Tuscaloosa, Alabama, covering the Crimson Tide, it is 
Ryan Fowler, who's back on the Jones Report once again. Ryan, always a pleasure, my friend, to catch up with you at the beginning of every college football season as we whip around the country. And I got to tell you, it's always fun talking to someone like you who has such an appreciation for the sport of college football as a whole. We saw last year when this sport was under assault from a lot of the Corona bros and such of who really cared and who didn't care about this sport. And I love your passion and and energy about this sport, man. Glad to have you back on. Well, it is good to be back on, you know, you and I go back way, way back. And, you know, I always come on and I always tell you that my prediction and uh, Nick Saban has made me look very, very smart over the course of time. But uh, once again, I'm going to take Alabama to win the national title. So uh, (laughs) I'll, I'll play with my odds. You know, I'm, I'm, you know, batting about 50%, which will get me into the, uh, you know, into the Hall of Fame uh, when you look at it. And, you know, when you think about uh, the Alabama Crimson Tide and you think about, uh, you know, everything that this program has been able to accomplish, uh, my heavens, man, it, it is. I, sometimes I almost think, and I know this is not the question that you asked me, but sometimes I just think that, that we're almost in a puzzle. Uh, that, that, you know, that this is just like a dream, that this is really, really not happening. But it is. And Nick Saban has allowed, you know, this program to be reestablished and to be able to come out and, and, and to be able to dominate, to be able to, to win games. Um, I'll tell you, man, it is, it is a lot of fun uh, to see what this program has been able to do and watch it reestablished because, you know, in the early 2000s, you know, back when we made the trip out to Norman, Oklahoma, uh, kind of got punched in the teeth a little bit. And, uh, hey, here we are now. And, and what this program has been able to accomplish is pretty pretty crazy when you think about the championships and Nick Saban, where he's taking us. Oh, yeah, no no question about it. And, you know, we'll dive plenty into the Crimson Tide and look ahead to their 2021 campaign. But before we do, Ron, I'm just going to ask you about kind of the state of college football right now. We, we've heard about this so-called alliance from the Pac-12 and Big Ten ACC, which appears just to be a joke. We know about OU and Texas going to the SEC and Alabama's dominance, of course, in college football, as you've mentioned. The playoff has kind of become bland the last few years. What do you make of where the sport is at right now? I think what we just talked about with Nick Saban. Uh, I think Nick Saban, it would be great for – now, hear me out because I know you're not going to do this, but I know some people may hear what I'm about to say, and they're going to write up a quote and say, well, Fowler said this in Tuscaloosa. You know, if Nick Saban retired and went to his retirement home, uh, his vacation home over in Lake Burton over in North Georgia, I think it would solve a lot of college football's problems <laughs> because everything that they're doing is trying to catch up with him. Uh, I think, you know, when you look back at 2011 when they played LSU, I thought that was the start and the end of the BCS going to college football. When you look at where we're at now, it seems like that they're always trying to throw things at him. Uh, Now we're talking about going to 12 teams. I don't think we need 12 teams. But the thing happening is that, you know, you got Oklahoma, Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, uh, that have been in this college football playoff so much that everybody else wants to sit at the table. I understand that. I still don't think that we need 12 teams to prove that, that, that you know, that's what it's going to take to play college football. And so I think when you look at everything, that's the number one thing that we're doing, whether, you know, it's the alliance with the, 
the Big 12, or excuse me, the Big 10, uh, the Pac-12, and the ACC coming together. Uh, and, and I think when you look at that perspective, now the, the other part of this is I, I look at, you know, what the Big 12 is falling apart right here in front of our eyes. I mean, I mean, think about that for a minute. I mean, we're, we're literally watching the Big 12 fall apart. We, we're, we're watching it right here. And I think Oklahoma and Texas forecasting, there's no way that I would have known or even guessed. I'm sitting at SEC media days. It was Alabama day. It was Nick Saban day. Nick Saban walked in and talked for you know an hour and a half on different media availabilities. And he walked in, and as he was going out, I'm covering, you know, his his departure. And all of a sudden, I looked under my phone, and I looked down, and I thought, oh, my, there's no way this is true. There's no no way this is true. And it was like one of those double takes that many of us do when we're on the air, like, is this really true? And, uh, uh, you know, my immediate thought was, uh, I, I like Oklahoma. I think that the tradition there. Uh, but I don't really know if I like the Texas arrogance. So I think Alabama is going to be in charge of maybe, you know, humbling those guys. I think they'll put Alabama in charge of that. And, you know, we have a record of like one, seven and one against Texas. When you look at Alabama going up against Texas. So they've got the big advantage. Uh, I think, you know, put Alabama in the same division with Texas and give them a little humble pie. And uh, at the end of the day, I think it'll all work out you know, with, with these two guys, I really welcome Oklahoma. I think you guys were a much or or will be a much better fit. I don't think Missouri fits in uh, here in the sec. I don't, I don't like that pick at all. When you look at the tigers, cause I just don't think they're passionate enough about college football. I I don't know if it's important enough, but I know it's going to be important enough to, to Texas. And I know it's going to be important enough to Oklahoma and I'm excited. I'm excited to see, you know, what these guys are, are, are able to, to, bring in uh, the tradition. Uh, but like I said, Texas, uh, man, they think they are God's greatest gift to college football. And we're talking about one program who has won a championship, one championship in the last, what, 51 years, one championship. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, I, but hey, listen, if I had the money Texas has, I'd probably have a little uh, ego too. And they certainly have one of those. What do you think the end game is for the SEC at this point? Do you think it's going to be this 16 or is there still more to be had? And, and what about maybe even splitting off from the NCAA and such? Uh, the, what, what does this all end up playing out for the SEC? Is this just the beginning or is this – you see how it's going to be? You know, Coach Bryant in 1983 uh, came out with what they called the CFA. And if I'm not mistaken, I – think Barry Switzer was a part of that. There was about 10 coaches who thought Coach Bryant was leading it up, and it, they were way ahead of their time. This is in the early 80s, 81, 82, 83, something in that range, and they were trying to get the CFA established. And I think that's where you're seeing it. I think college football has outgrown the NCAA. I, I just don't think that that group really looks after, I mean, with name, image, and likeness, with everything that's happening in college football. I just don't think they match up. Um, I don't know where it's going because when I heard the Alliance press conference, the only thing that I took out of that press conference, I mean, it, it was boring, you know. But the one thing that I did, you know, make a note of is that they had not signed a, a written agreement, didn't have a, you know, other than just a verbal agreement. And I can promise you, most of those schools, probably not all of them, 
But most of those schools, if they were called by the SEC or if they called the SEC and the SEC took their phone call, they would jump into the SEC. And, and, and I'm not saying everybody, but I think the majority of those schools, and I think that's, that's what I heard in that Alliance press conference. Hey, you know, we're all together as long as the SEC didn't call. But once they, they call, then, then, then we'll see you guys later. We're going to go and uh, be a part. I do think that the future of college football is these super conferences. I think this is the first step uh, in knocking that door down and working our way to the super conferences. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, I think this is really just the beginning uh, for all that as far as that goes. But with that being said, uh, let's uh, let's talk about this, this season ahead. Your Crimson Tide right there, the uh, preseason number one's coming off a national championship. Uh, Ryan, how did the Tide do it again? What makes this team special compared to some of the other teams that have won the title there at Alabama? Defense. This is going to be a killer Defense, And when I say dominant, I believe as dominant as you can have in the current direction of we, we're in college football. Where, where defense is currently, I don't know how dominant like, – like, in other words, you could put the 92 defense out there, which was great for Alabama. Or, you know, if you wanted to go back to uh, some of the other defenses, 2011 uh, was solid, 2016 with all those guys on that defense. Uh, but but I, I, I just go back and I think about – where college football is now of defense and how dominant can you be, I think when you take a look at, at this defense, uh, they're going to be led by just a group of nasty linebackers. I mean, I'm talking about hit you in the face. Uh, Christian Harris, uh, when you look at you know the defensive side of the football, I think when you – Will Anderson, I know Thibodeau at Oregon is, is a dominant player. But I think, I think when you look at Will Anderson, I think he has a chance to be one of the, if not it, it, one of the, not not the, because uh, like I said, I respect, you know, Thibodeau. I, I think he's a, you know, he, he's a very, very dominant player. Uh, but I also, I look at, you know, uh, Will Anderson, I think he has a chance to be the greatest player in college football this year, the best. Uh, he is, he's probably going to be a guy that's probably going to get, I would say 12 to 15 sacks, maybe more. And he's going to be a just a wrecking horse for quarterbacks that are going up against Alabama. You look at secondary, should be okay, led by Jordan Battle, as long as he can, you know, maybe keep his head up and not get as many targeting calls as he did, you know, last year. But he's kind of a headhunter guy back there, uh, you know, and, and he's going to, you know, lay the lumber and he could be good on run support. Christian Harris, uh, Henry Toa Toa uh, is, came in from Tennessee. Great linebacker there. And to tell you how much Nick Saban believes in him, he arrived two and a half months ago in Tuscaloosa. He's already going to be the signal caller and the guy who sets that defense up for the opposing team. So you can almost understand the impact uh, that Henry Toa Toa was able to make here in Tuscaloosa. So you, you look at those guys, you look it up front, they're deep. Uh, they've probably got seven or eight guys. It kind of reminds you a little bit of 2016 where they had about nine guys. Not that many, but there's probably seven or eight guys that can rotate through uh, that can be a big impact on that defensive front. And I think your defensive front is, is where if you don't have depth, you can have four great players, but until you've got depth, I don't know how good you are. I think Alabama's really good up front. I would be shocked 
if this is not the best defense uh, in college football by long shot. Well, and uh, I recall, Ryan, a couple months back, uh, Nick Saban was making some comments about how he's had to adjust his expectations, that uh, he was comparing uh, these offensive coaches to Al-Qaeda uh, of how they just attack and That's such. That's a great point. And uh, I remember him saying something to the effect of, you know, it used to be the goal of that you wanted to hold opponents to – 14 points and now he's saying what 28 points i mean that's just kind of how things have changed we've been talking about this for a long time and it seems like that saban's pretty aware of that no that's a great point I, i'd forgot about that comment that he made but uh you know i, I think that was at a uh was that at a recruiting or coaches, coaches clinic, clinic or, yeah. i'm trying to think I, yeah i need to i need to pull that audio because that's something i could use on my show because you know we're kind of all setting the expectations with this defense and you know, we don't really know what to expect. But I, I do think, you know, with what Nick Saban said, I, I think 17 points is the new uh, kind of shut shutout. So it's no longer zero. I think it's about 17. Uh, you know, but Nick Saban, when you look at it, if you can do that, if you can keep those guys, uh, you know, what would you say, 28? Uh, 28 was the goal, 28. Said, yeah. yeah, I mean, if you could do that, because, I mean, think about it. For the flip side of it, for your offense, if you're if you're not able to scope score beyond 28 points, you're not going to win a lot of college football games. I mean, I don't have to explain, you know, that to you guys out there. I mean, y'all know anything about scoring points? So you think about, you know, putting up points. You you've got to be able to score. If you're not in the 30s, you're not winning too many college football games. So uh, I think that's probably where Nick Saban kind of came up with that calculation. Now, offensively, you're talking about replacing one of, if not the greatest offenses of all time with uh, Mac Jones and Najee Harris, Devonta Smith, Jalen Waddell, you know, all these guys being first-round picks. Um, how do they go about replacing those guys? We know at Alabama they don't replace, they, they reload. Um, what's, uh, what, what's that group look like of those skill position players offensively replacing so much NFL talent? Well, Listen, the offense is going to have to grow into it. Uh, they're not going to be, I don't think, uh, you know, I don't, you know, John Mechie is going to be really, really good. Uh, Jamison Williams, which, you know, if he couldn't beat Alabama, might as well join him. He, he, he walked across the sidelines and, you know, that Ohio State-Alabama game said, hey, if I can't beat these guys, I might as well go be a part of them. So he transferred to Tuscaloosa and he was on uh, the opposing sidelines for Ohio State. He's a starting wide receiver that's got, tons and tons of speed uh the backs are probably deeper in the running backs uh but i don't know if there's going to be you know they're going to be a little bit of a drop off from bryce young uh to mac jones just because of inexperience just because of classification but i don't think it's going to be that much i i think when you look at these two guys there's going to be some similarities and i think bryce is going to be a guy that's going to air it out and and he's you know he won the job really back in the spring and Nick Saban, he's kind of forced Nick Saban to, to go out and, and pretty much declare him the starting quarterback, which Nick Saban never likes to do. Now, I don't know what that tells you about that backup spot, uh, if, there's a, you know, if there's a lot of confidence there. But, uh, and then Nick Saban comes rolling out Bryce Young about a week into camp uh, with some media availabilities. I'm going, wow, this, this is so unusual for Nick Saban. I mean, he never does this. And I think Bryce Young kind of forced him to do that. So when you take a look at this Alabama team uh, offensively, 
they don't have the offensive line that they had last year. I, I don't. I think last year's offensive line was, you know, started with Landon Dickerson. You had Alex Leatherwood. Uh, you had the road grader and Deontay Brown, which is now playing at Carolina. Uh, Alex Leatherwood's out at Oakland. You flip Evan Neal to right tackle to left tackle. Uh, should be okay. Emil Ikior, we kind of know what he can do. Uh, but the other positions, it, it's going to be a work in progress to get all these guys. But they've got a former NFL head coach uh, by the name of Doug Marone, uh, who coached in the NFL, is coaching offensive line. So uh, I think if anybody can groom them into being a great offensive line, it's probably Doug Marone. How about that staff? You mentioned Doug Marone. you got Bill O'Brien as your offensive coordinator, too. I mean, uh, all these coaches are going through the uh, the Saban rehab program. This is as good a staff I think Saban's had. Don't you, don't you think, Ryan? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, when you put two NFL coaches on one side of the football and one guy's a position coach and you've got Bill O'Brien uh, there, no, I, I think you get excited about this coaching staff and you you almost wonder if they can hold on to these guys for, you know, maybe one more year and, you know, not have to recycle these guys again and, uh, but Bill O'Brien's a very talented guy, uh, and, and I think, you know, working with some of the best of the best is, uh, you know, I'm sure it's probably one of the reasons why he came to, to Tuscaloosa when you look at Bill O'Brien. I'm, I'm excited to see him. Uh, I think he's going to have, like I said, a little bit more depth at running back. Uh, he may, you know, be a little bit more smash mouth, and especially with that defense, I don't think you're going to have to score 48.5 points per game. But, you know, to go back to what you said, uh, I, I think this is probably one of Nick Saban's better staffs. You mentioned uh, Bryce Young earlier. Uh, you know, sophomore quarterback was phenomenal in that spring game. Uh, what exactly does he bring to the table? What can you tell us about Bryce Young? Uh, strong arm. I'll tell you what, rather than me talking and trying to describe it, why don't we just go to modern day high school? Uh, modern day high school is out in Santa Ana, California. And it, right outside of L.A., Bruce Rollinson is the head coach out there. Uh, I mean, they've had – you could look it up. Quarterback after quarterback, JT Daniels. I mean, the SEC, it's at Georgia. Uh, they've had uh, Matt Barkley uh, was there. I mean, it, I mean, you just go look, look at the list of quarterbacks. I think they've had a quarterback for the last 30 years. All but one guy has signed a D1 scholarship. All but one guy has signed a Division I scholarship. Bruce Robinson said to us on the air, and he also said it in his press conference, it was not an original comment, but I asked him to elaborate on it, and he said that Bryce Young is by far the best uh, quarterback that has come through modern day uh, since he's been there. And he's won, I, I think it's five or six national titles. And he said Bryce Young is by far the best quarterback that's ever come through that system. So that's a Hall of Fame high school football coach that could be coaching, um, you know, probably at the collegiate level uh, that has chose to stay there at modern-day high school and, and, and make an impact with these young men. And he told us that Bryce Young is the best of the best that he's had come through his program, and that's including a Heisman winner. That's big. So that's every throw. He, he can make every throw. He's probably going to have a lot more, uh, you know, escapability to be able to move and extend plays. I think that may be the difference that he chose 
Uh, when you look at when you look at Alabama, so uh, that's going to be the thing that you're going to be able to. Be, but you know, with not comfortable about his uh, backup uh, as far as where Alabama is there, I think you may see. Um, I think you may see them try to, you know, not ask him to do a lot of things there. So uh, you know, you you look at this defense uh, pretty good. I don't think Bryce Young is going to have to do a whole lot. Okay. How about that? And then uh, on top of that, one of the things I keep hearing about Bryce Young is what he's been able to do on the NIL market. This guy hasn't even (laughs) taken a snap yet and is already drawing some interest. What can you tell me about that and what NIL is doing for Alabama? It seems like that's only going to help out the the tide. The the rich become richer in a sense. Well, in in some ways – but I also think that this is another thing that we were talking about with parity in college football, uh, that it would solve a lot of problems if Nick Saban just went on and retired, uh, because I think this is going to be another equalizer. And this may be the biggest equalizer uh, that he's had to go up against, because, you know, you think about the kid out in California that, you know, look at USC, uh, you, you know, think about would you rather be a, a small fish, you know, in a big pond or a big fish in a small pond. And I think, you know, when we look at money, I think a lot of these kids want the money immediately. They don't want to have to wait. They don't want uh, to, to go. And, and, and if you go to a place like UCLA or USC or, you know, some of these bigger college towns, then, then I think some of these guys are, are going to be able to, to rake in the cash pretty early. Yeah. I think it, but you have to remember, Alabama is a very small state. We're, we're not uh, probably four million, and I may be stretching some. I know we've grown a little bit. I think we're about three and a half a few years ago at the 2010 census, but I think 2020 we're we're a little bit over four. So think about the cities who are just as large as the state of Alabama. And so all reason I brought that up is the marketing value. Because, you know, I mean, think about it. If I'm a company, do I take a guy that has got this many eyes? Now, the, the counter to that is some of these bigger cities have a lot of different, you know, divided eyes. So you may get the eyes, you may get the numbers, but you don't get the attention. So that's where in Alabama, you know, we don't have a professional football team or professional baseball team. You know, it's Alabama football every single day. So I think that's where it's going to be. But I also, I don't know what name, image, and likeness is really going to be as a college. Uh, I, I think we're going to find out pretty quick, and I think we've already done that. That front of the jersey is probably a little bit more important than that back of the jersey. Yeah. Just the way I see it. Yeah, I would agree to that. A uh, few more things for you, Ryan. Uh, looking at the SEC as a whole, Alabama is the obvious favorite, but – a stacked league once again, Georgia, Texas A&M, Florida, just to name a few. Who is going to be the biggest threat to the Tide in the SEC, do you think, Ryan? Well, you know, everybody keeps saying Texas A&M, but, uh, you know, I, I, I got to, you know, spending a little time in, you know, in the state of Missouri, they always told me to show me. Uh, I, I got to, you know, I got to show me because I've heard all about this Texas A&M stuff. Uh, I think – Ole Miss is going to be really, really good, but I don't think they have what it takes to knock off Alabama in Tuscaloosa with Lane Kiffin. You know, Georgia is a team uh, with JT Daniels that I think that they're set up, and I think the pressure on Georgia is probably higher than it's ever been. 
But I think the Kirby, you know, the you know, a couple of years ago, we had the Clemsoning verb that we turned Clemson uh, into a verb, and it was described as making negative plays. Well, you look at Kirby, Kirby's going to Kirby. And Kirby has become a, you know, where he's made coaching mistakes uh, that it has cost his team. I mean, think about the national title. They lost a national title uh, against Alabama on, on his mistakes. I mean, he, he called some very – questionable calls uh, in that 2017 championship. Uh, you go back to his first year, they lost to Vanderbilt uh, with the coaching mistakes. So we always like to say, you know, here in the Southeast, Kirby is going to Kirby. So as long as he doesn't Kirby, uh, I think the dogs over in Athens is the biggest uh, test uh, for Alabama, but they won't see them until the SEC championship game. And then when you look nationally, uh, you know, a lot of people in Oklahoma are high on what the Sooners bring to the table this year. And uh, Clemson, of course, hasn't gone away. They got a new quarterback. Ohio State's got a new quarterback. Uh, what do you make of just some of those other teams that are co- going to be competing for those playoff spots? What, what do you think of those guys compared to the Tide? Well, listen, I, I see a lot of hype around Oklahoma. Uh, a lot of people are talking about – you know, that they have what it takes. And I think, you know, we spent a little time talking about Alabama's defense. Uh, I don't know player personnel like you would, uh, but if you look at Oklahoma, it just seems to be on paper that that maybe they're pretty good, uh, you know, on that side of the, the, the field. So uh, when you look at Oklahoma, well, we've, we've come to expect that, you know, some things are just automatic in life. And, you know, watching what Lincoln Riley was able to do with, you know, uh, Jalen and Kyler and, Baker, uh, you know, Spencer Rattler, golly bum. I mean, that guy looks like he's got all the tools that can even, you know, be right there with those guys. So when you look offensively, they're going to be there. Uh, defensively, it seems like that they've got, what do they have, like eight, nine starters coming back on the defensive side of the football? So you look at Oklahoma, you got you got to think that those guys are going to be right there standing. You go to Ron Day, uh, I know that, you know, when you look at Ohio State getting smacked in the mouth, uh, you know, the national championship game, you know, revenge is on their mind. A lot of talent, you know, up in Columbus, Ohio. And, you know, don't doubt that bow out. Uh, and, and, and I'll give you an early prediction. I don't know when exactly, you know, this, this conversation will post. I'm sure it'll post before uh, the game. But I like, I like Clemson to beat Georgia in that big college football game. So, uh, but neither one of them have the schedule. Uh, that's going to challenge them, you know, here on out. So they'll probably run the table regardless if they win Saturday night. Uh, I don't think they play anybody that can really push these guys around. Yeah, I'm looking at, uh, Ryan, I have Alabama and Oklahoma in the national title. I'm actually going to go with Oklahoma to win it. But I think that both these teams, Ryan, should run the table. I don't see any losses on either one of their schedules. They'll have some tests here and there. I mean, I think right out of the gates – Alabama against Miami, people were, you know, pointing out, oh, it's going to be, you know, uh, you know, that SEC time window in Atlanta and everything. I, I have no reason to think that Alabama won't just kick the crap out of Miami this weekend. Like, I, I, I'm, I'm looking at things that this Tide team is going to take care of business pretty handily Saturday. What say you? Yeah, I know I'm right there with you. I think Vegas has got it about 19 and a half with that line go up. Uh, I even saw it earlier at around 20, 20 and a half, some places, not, uh, at least, uh, you know, pretty good. So I, I'll take uh, – I think Alabama's going to win. I think they're going to win convincingly. 
defensive line uh, i think that's a recipe disaster when you play all down yeah yeah um as we're uh, wrapping up here one of the things that also has been uh, interesting about alabama football has been uh, what they're producing in the nfl and you mentioned oklahoma with having three starting quarterbacks in the league right now with jalen hurts kyler murray and uh baker mayfield the same can be said for alabama with jalen hurts now Mac Jones and uh, Tua Tunga Viola. T- tell me about that. I mean, this is uh, something new for Alabama, uh, Ryan. I mean, we've talked about Alabama, how well they've dominated college football and won the national titles and produced NFL talent. But this is the first time we've seen uh, some NFL quarterbacks come out of uh, Tuscaloosa, it really, since what, Joe Namath? I mean, it, it's an interesting time for Saban to be getting NFL quarterbacks. Yeah, so Tyler, when you look back at what you said, I mean, I never thought about what you said with three starting quarterbacks, uh, you know, in, in the NFL. Uh, but one of those guys, we kind of claim him. So I guess we're all going to have to have a fight whether we, uh, you know, we, you know, you guys claim Jalen or, or do we claim Jalen when you look at Oklahoma standpoint. Uh, but Alabama with three guys, with Mac Jones, Jalen, and Tua uh, that, that you know, won a lot of football games here in Tuscaloosa. So you look at all those guys on the same roster, you think about, you know, Mac Jones going to New England and beating Cam Newton out. Uh, that's pretty crazy with it itself and getting cut when you look at Cam Newton. So Alabama, it's been a long time. Uh, Namus, Stabler, uh, Richard Todd, Bart Starr. I mean, we're, we're talking about old Alabama guys. And uh, these guys are able to, to step in and, and hey, it's going to be a lot of fun to see these guys develop. And, you know, first out of the gate, we're going to see Mac Jones versus Tua, you know, with Miami and New England. So for Alabama fans, it's a lot of fun to see quarterbacks have success at the next level. Who do you think is going to be the most successful of those three? Mac Jones. Mac Jones. Uh, I, I think Mac Jones is, I think it's simply about the franchise. I think he fits in that franchise uh, more than, than probably the other two guys. I mean, I, I don't, I don't, discount Jalen. I think Jalen's going to be good. I think two is going to be good, but if you're asking me the best out of that group, I'll go with Mac Jones. Okay. How about that? Uh, last question. We'll, uh, we'll wrap up on this, Ryan. Uh, I, I got to know it's been a few months now. How are uh, tied fans adapting to their, uh, their new Senator from Auburn, uh, Tommy Tuberville? What's that been like? Uh, that's some strange bedfellows there. I imagine. Uh, just check, uh, keep checking the lever on the right side of the ticket, and we'll be okay. So, uh, if you want to stay the good graces of uh, Alabama fans, uh, just make sure you vote the correct way, and uh, everything will be okay. So, uh, uh, Tommy, we need you up in Washington. Uh, keep keep leaning that way, and uh, you'll be okay with Alabama fans. We'll take you anyway. Uh, compared to the uh, the clown that we just got out of there a couple of uh, uh, you know months ago. Uh, with with Mr. Jones, uh, trust me, Tommy Tuberville is a breath of fresh air. Well, and then you hear Herschel Walker running in Georgia. I wonder who's <laughs> going to be the Alabama guy to run for, uh, for office. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. I never thought about that, but that's a good point. Uh, and, and you see a lot of guys. I mean, you see a lot of fo- football players that are getting involved with, uh, you know, government issues, politics. Um, you know, I, I think when you, uh, you know, look it out, in your state, I think there's some that are former athletes, and uh, I'm sure there'll be some here at some point. It's pretty popular. It's pretty easy to win a vote if you're a former player 
uh, in this part of the country. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, where I live now in Nebraska, you know, Tom Osborne, of course, was involved in politics, yeah. and you know, my my home state, Oklahoma. You know, J.C. Watts was a former congressman and such. So, yeah, I mean, it's uh, uh, you, you can't lose that those competitive juices. Uh, Got to put them somewhere at some point. So, no Brian, doubt. Before we go, where can people follow you and see all the great work that you and your team are doing there in Tuscaloosa, man? Yeah, it's at Ryan C. Fowler. I'm on the flagship station of Alabama football. We're tied 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. I do it every afternoon, two until six. You can connect with me on the Twitter account at Ryan C. Fowler. But I I do invite you to follow me, but uh, follow at your own risk. I have a lot of fun. I don't know if I take anything serious that I put up there. I try to put up great stuff, but I also have a lot of fun and, you know, aggravate other fan bases from time to time. So if you follow me, follow me at your own risk. And, uh, we'll open up a you know a good dialogue and we'll have some fun. Great stuff, Ryan. Appreciate the time as always. We'll talk in down the line. Thanks for joining us. Hey, no doubt, Tyler. It's always good, and, and you guys keep up the great work out in your out in your state. Thank you again. Time for Coach Bo's football fix, presented by O'Connor Advisory Group. You can find O'Connor Advisory Group online, oagks.com, o'connoradvisorygroup.com. Also by phone at 785-856-0720. That's 856-0720 to schedule an appointment today. Also on Facebook, search O'Connor Advisory Group and by email, brian.oconnor at lpl.com. That's brian.oconnor at lpl.com with a Y in Brian there is where you can find Coach Bo uh, for more of what's going on at O'Connor Advisory Group. And Coach Bo joins us right now. Bo, football is back. And with that is a a great time to uh, talk about O'Connor Advisory Group uh, with football season starting. It's never – a bad time to go ahead and get your uh, financial stuff taken care of too. Just get it all done at once. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is the time of year when, you know, the birds are chirping, it's getting a little better. It's everything's ready to go. And Hey, what a better time to get started on everything. than uh, right now to get started a fresh new start for everybody. Let us be your partner. Give us a shout. Go to O'Connor advisor group, O-A-G-K-S.com. Hit on the contact us. You can email directly to me. I'll be happy to call you and chat. And you just started the new Coach Bono's podcast this week. The reviews are in. People loved it. How are you feeling after episode one, Bo? I am still very nervous. I felt like I had marbles in my mouth on the intros and the outros. It's I'm still getting used to that. But, uh, hey, we're going to have some fun. We're actually going to get ready to record our 1.5 episode tonight. So that'll be fun. We're going to talk football. We're going to talk college football. We're going to talk NFL. We're going to talk uh, a little bit of a uh, little bit of fantasy, possibly, and then we might even talk a little WWE, AEW kind of stuff. We're going to have a little fun, a little off-brand there, a little bit too. So it'll be fun. Should be fun. Looking forward to it. Episode one point five coming out on Friday. You can download the Coach Bono's podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts. You can check it out there. All right, Bo. We uh, we have some. Football going on this week, a full slate. We don't have to settle for uh, Nebraska get, kicking the can against Illinois, as entertaining I, as I, that was, though. I've made myself watch part of that game. I watched I, all of that game. I, I That was up bad football. For the late third quarter, early fourth quarter, I just couldn't do it. I got up, walked around for a little bit, and then I got back in at the end. But, um. Yeah, that, I just it's kind of wet in my appetite. It was like a, it was like a really bad appetizer. 
basically, it just made me hungry for good football. It was so on brand for the Big Ten, it hurt. Oh, it, it really was. I Nebraska, I'll tell you what I did see. Nebraska's defensive front is pretty good. That'll keep them in some games, but their offense is not very good at all. At all. Yeah. Um, Adrian Martinez, he feels like the Perry Ellis of uh, Nebraska. Man, I, so I'd heard all these great things about him, and, and I don't like criticizing college players, so let's just get past that a little bit. But um, I just wasn't that impressed. Maybe he had a bad game. I haven't watched a lot of him. But I'd heard a lot of great things about him as a recruit and some other things. I just wasn't that impressed. Well, then, like Illinois, uh, their quarterback, Brandon Peters, who's basically like an arena league quarterback at this point. It's like his sixth or seventh year of college. Yeah, he's ball. like 36 years old. He's right. Just... He goes down. Yeah, Sitowski no. comes in, the guy that threw like 20 picks at Rutgers and wondered if we'd even ever see him play college football again and play decent. Like somehow Illinois won that game with that guy. That's how bad Nebraska is. Um, yeah. <laughs> what a day it was. And then you had. Uh, UCLA looking good against Hawaii and such. A lot of people buying into that UCLA hype train headed into this LSU game this week now. Let them buy. Let them buy. They're going to be disappointed come Sunday. <laughs> oh, man. Let's go ahead and uh, break down this uh, week one slate of yeah. games that we have for you. Uh, and uh, we'll do some picks as well, our weekly picks contest where we'll make picks against the spread each week, crown a champion at the end of the year. We'll do 10 games. I'll try to balance it out. Five college, five NFL. Obviously, the NFL doesn't start till next week, so we'll do ten college games this week. Bo, let's start out with the game of the week, probably the game of the year in college football. It takes place in Charlotte, North Carolina, the Dukes-Mayo kickoff classic. Man, that's a dandy. Number five, Georgia taking on number three, Clemson. The Tigers are a three-point favorite. What do you think of this one, Bo? U-G-A. I like Georgia a lot this season. Uh, you'll see a recurring thing with me in Georgia this year. I like what they're doing. I like them a lot. I like them to win the SEC West. I think they're going to beat Clemson on Saturday. I like Clemson to win outright, Bo, but I think three is too many points. I think this is a two-one-point yeah, game. This is going to be a really good close game. I think you're right. I mean, there's a chance. I mean, I, I can go either way here. They're really good teams but I really like Georgia a lot. And I think this is the time Georgia has this thing where they couldn't get over the, they can't get over the Alabama hump, the SEC. Yes. And if they can win this game against Clemson, I think mentally they'll be ready for a game and a matchup with Alabama. And so I think they're putting a lot into this and I really like Kirby smart. I like what they're doing. Give me Georgia. Here's what concerns me though, about this game, Bo is, George has been taking it so hard in practice. They're down a few guys already before the season's even started. They're going to be without a few defensive, defensive starters. Yeah, we're going to see this throughout the year. So we're going to see this with COVID as well. We're going to see it in the NFL. We're going to see it in college. We're going to see teams that are going to be losing five players here, five players there. And we're going to hear a lot of that. Um, I just think that you got to go with a team with depth. And I like Georgia's depth. I like who they are. They recruit well. I mean, just as good at recruiting as the Clemson is. And I like their staff better. I just do. And I, I and I like their quarterback. You like Kirby better than Debo? Yes. 
No. Dabo Sweeney, to me, is the most overrated coach in college football. He's won two national titles. I don't care. I don't think he's that good a coach. That's I blasphemy. How dare I, you? I just I, overrated, overrated. Stop. No. There is no world in which Kirby, in which he should be making six or seven million dollars a year. Stop. No. No. Almost overrated coach in the nation. <laughs> yeah, I can think of 10 coaches right now I'd take over him. No. Yep. If I could build a program right now, hiring a coach for long term, because we know Nick's going to retire sooner than later, Dabo's my first phone call. I wouldn't even make the phone call. <laughs> wouldn't even take his phone call. I, I just dislike Dabo Sweeney. I don't think he's a good I don't think he's that good a coach. Oh. Uh, and hey, whatever you want to believe, I just don't oh think he's that gosh. good a coach. I think a lot, I just don't like a lot of his attitudes about things. I tell you where he lost me is that on the all NIL stuff where he is totally against players making money. And if he's going to live in a house that looks like the La Quinta Inn <laughs> and making six million dollars a year in Clemson, get the fuck out of here. No, 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 no. I'm done with Dabo. Yeah, you can yabba dabba do his ass on out of here. Uh, most overrated coach in the nation. Okay, I'm going to move on before you continue to say more stuff you regret. We'll revisit this later when Clemson wins the national championship or something. There, you know, for the third time under Debo. Um, <laughs> number one, Alabama ticket on number fourteen, Miami. When we released the lines, Alabama was a fourteen and a half point favorite. That has since jumped up to about eighteen or nineteen. But for all intents and purposes, let's stay at that fourteen and a half mark. The game's in Atlanta. Bo, I don't think this one's close. I got Alabama big. Yeah, I do too. Bama, look, I am not a, an Alabama fan. We know I'm an LSU guy. Nick Saban's the GOAT. He is the greatest of all time. And he's going to have – if anyone's going to have their team ready, it's Nick Saban. They're going to be ready. They're going to come out on fire. they get the best team in the nation. They're going to win the national championship. We're supposed to give that away later. You already killed him. It could be an upset. You never know. Oh, already killing our segments, getting ahead, jumping ahead of the curve here. Nonetheless, you got Bama. Uh, I got Bama as well to cover. Miami, um, the U is not back. Um, I'm not a fan of, uh, of Manny Diaz as head coach. I think they got some problems. There. I think mean, I think Miami needs some time. I think they're going to need some time and get some recruits in there. They got some people who want to make that the U again, and if they can get that support, but if you're running into a buzzsaw with Alabama, that's just that's poor scheduling right there. Number 17, Indiana versus number 18, Iowa. Indiana had a historic season last year. Iowa at home, a three and a half point favorite. Classic Big Ten matchup here, Bo. Who you got? I like Indiana. I think Indiana plus the points here. I think Iowa's probably going to win the game, but it's one of those close games. Three and a half. Give me three in the hook. I'll take Indiana. I like Indiana outright. I think Tom Allen's done a heck of a job. They've got some players. He's, he's uh, a better coach than Dabo Sweeney. Stop. Stop. Bo, no. <laughs> no. I, I, I'm going to pretend I didn't hear that comment. Uh, I'm going to go with Indiana to cover it three and a half. Uh, how about Louisiana taking on Texas here? This game is in Austin. Bo, this is my this is my upset special of the week. I like Louisiana to go into Austin and upset Sark's debut here. I'll take I'll take Louisiana plus the points. You see what I'm doing? Horns down. Horns down, baby. Horns there down. Oh, I'll take Louisiana plus the points. 
athletes. They get it going. That's a well-coached They bring team. everybody back from last year. Yep, they're a good team. They're going to be really good again. Texas is just their I mean, whole new staff. Everything's changed over. Uh, I, you don't, I don't know what to expect there yet. I know what I got, so I'll take Louisiana. I'll All take right. Louisiana plus eight. We've agreed four for four so far. Let's see That's if we good. can uh, change things no, no, up. No, you had Clemson. Uh, no, I had Clemson to win, but I got Georgia oh, to come. You have, you, okay, all right, all right. All right, I'm a little sneaky there. All right, okay. uh, Notre Dame against Florida State. This game going to be played on Sunday night. You're going to be watching AEW, but this game will be on. And uh, Notre Dame is a seven-and-a-half-point favorite on the road. Bo, um, Notre Dame, I'm not big on you know their offense. They lost a lot of guys, including Ian Book from last year. But Florida State, Mike Norvell's just not doing it for me. To me, I'm taking Notre Dame to cover and win at seven and a half. But that's more about how much I don't believe in Florida State than how much I believe in Notre Dame. Okay, so I slightly agree. I'm taking Notre Dame minus seven and a half. Um, I love Brian Kelly. I think he's one of the most underrated coaches in the nation. I mean, he gets his ass beat by uh, Dabo, you know, all the time, but okay. Brian Kelly's a better coach than Dabo Smith. Did you not watch the Cotton Bowl? I'm just telling you, he's a better coach. Stop. Harder to recruit the other day. So, um, I will take uh, – I, I think that Florida State's one of those teams like Florida State and Miami are kind of in the same boat right now. Traditional, there are powerhouses back in the day, and they can come up, and I think they will both come up, but not right now. So I think that's why I like Notre Dame in this case. Um, I like Brian Kelly. I think they're going to do a good job. I think they're one of those teams. I mean, he's going to have one or two losses. They, they win 10 games every single year. And uh, I think he's going to be an NFL coach one day. I can see that. Uh, I, think, I think it'll be a really good one, too. How about LSU and uh, UCLA? LSU 16th in the country. UCLA had a really good performance last week against Hawaii. Chip Kelly – that's the best we've seen a Chip Kelly offense in quite some time. Granted, it was against Hawaii, but they have established the run game. Now they look, they've turned into a hot pick to win the Pac 12 South. They are at home. There is going to be a lot of LSU fans there. And it's been a weird week for LSU dealing with this hurricane. They're practicing yeah. in Houston and such, now going to Los Angeles. UCLA has already got a game under their belts here. Bo, tell me why you were picking your Tigers uh, as a three and a half point favorite. Uh, they got the best two players in the field on each side of the ball. Okay. They got the best, and they have the best player in the country. He won't win the Heisman, but Derek Stingley is the best football player in the country. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's Tyron Matthew 2.0. Yeah. And, uh, and I think that this will be the year we might see him play a little bit of offense from time to time as well. Uh, if you don't know, look him up. Derek Stingley's a great corner. He's going to be in the NFL. He's going to be incredible. Um, he is going to be a top three pick. Yeah, I mean, he's incredible, and he's going to be a long-time NFL player. Um, I just think – I think this whole – the hurricane and everything else, going to going to, to Texas and then having to go to – I think it's going to bring this team together. LSU's biggest problem has been the quarterback position. And um, and now they've got Max Johnson's going to be the starter after uh, the injury. And so I – I think we're I think we're going to see some big things in Max Johnson. I think he's going to have a great career at LSU. He's only a sophomore. Uh, he played really well the games he played last year. I like LSU. I mean, obviously, I am. I will admit my biases. I think they're going to beat up on UCLA. I just don't think UCLA is going to have the horses to stay with them. Now, having said that, you mentioned Chip Kelly. I'm a big Chip Kelly fan. 
I like his offense. I like what they can do. I just think the horses are on the LSU side. And I think, especially defensively. So I think that that's not going to be, um, they're going to be able to put an extra guy in the box. Stingley's going to be all over the place. I just expect a big game from LSU. I think they want to show their people back home that they're, they're serious. And they're a really good team. This is not a 16th ranked team. Yeah. Um, UCLA, I think, is going to make some big improvements this year. But I, I do too. I don't think they're good enough to beat LSU, though. Yeah. We we talked about, you know, Miami and Florida State, and I think UCLA is better than both of them. Right. They're ascending. I think UCLA is an eight- or nine-win football team in the Pac-12. LSU, though, is about a 10- or 11-win team in the (laughs) SEC. That's a huge difference. I like LSU here. I like them to cover, but I think UCLA can keep it within 10. Um, Yeah, I, I can see that. I don't think this is going to be a 21-point game. Like, no. any stretch of the imagination. Right. No, There's too Joe much Burrow's talent on LSU's side of the ball. Joe Burrow's not out there for the Tigers now. Uh, the Big Ten uh, game of the week, the big noon kickoff game on Fox, number 19 Penn State taking on number 12 Wisconsin. Wisconsin a four-and-a-half-point favorite. Bo, who are you going with? I like Penn State. Okay. I do. I like Penn State. I think that's a team, especially late in the season, Last season was really growing, and uh, I just I think James Franklin knows what he's doing. I think he's got a great team. I think he's a great coach. I think he's a better coach than Dabo Sweeney. Um, Stop. James Franklin almost got fired last year. He should have gotten fired. Well, you can't count anything last year against coaches as far as I'm concerned. Yes, you can. We talked about that during the season last year. That was too weird a season to to hold anybody – it, unless you had just really, really bad off the field stuff, the COVID stuff, it, it was the great equalizer. That'd be like trying to fire Ed Orgeron right now. Ed won a national title. It's not. That's not yeah. fair comparison. I think Franklin's a really good coach. I think they'd be a huge mistake if Penn State fired him. Um, I like Penn State. I like Wisconsin here, and here's why: Graham Mertz. I think Graham Mertz yeah. is really good. I he like what he did really for. Good. The first half of last year, then he got COVID and uh, you know struggled towards down the stretch, but they did end up winning uh, their bowl game there. Um, Mertz is going to be a star. He's going to be the best quarterback Wisconsin's ever had. Um, I'm saying that right now. I think Wisconsin wins. Oh, I got him by a touchdown. That's, that's pretty high praise. They've had all these like journeyman – it feels like journeyman quarterbacks there. Um, Wilson went to Wisconsin. I mean, okay, he was a one-year quarterback. I mean, best career, I'll, I'll say. Oh, about he, the best college career? I the, best college career. The, the best college career. Yeah, I can see that. I absolutely can see that. Yes. The yeah, best. Who's going to have the best college career? Yeah. And Russell Wilson would be uh, along those journeyman lines just one year, you know? I mean, yeah. like, um, but the best college career, I think Graham Mertz is poised to have that. And he's a complete quarterback. I think he's on his way to be a first-round pick in the near future. I like Wisconsin, Graham Mertz to have a big year. Give me uh, the Badgers to uh, win against uh, Penn State there. Number 10, North Carolina, led by Sam Howell, expected to be a top 10 draft pick at the quarterback position. He's been really good his first two years. Mac Brown with the team that's got ACC title aspirations. Virginia Tech with a coach already on the hot seat and Justin Fuente. 
Virginia Tech's at home. North Carolina's favorite at five and a half. Uh, what do you think here, Bo? I, I like North Carolina. I It's hard to ever pick against Virginia Tech at home, uh, but this isn't Frank Beamer's team. And UNC is on a mission. And I think they I, – I like what they're doing. And uh, I think there's something special about Sam Howe. I do too. Yeah. I do too. So, yeah. And I think that Mac Brown is a really good fit at North Carolina. Yes. So he's a much better fit there than he ever was at Texas. He knows how to recruit there. Yeah. He's having fun again. There's a he, whole lot less pressure it. on him in North Carolina. You can yeah. see it. He's not he's, – he's able to be him. Yes. Yeah. I like North Carolina. Um, I like Hal and Virginia Tech's just a dumpster fire. They're going to have a bad year. I don't see them winning more than five games. Um, I like North Carolina to win this pretty easily. I think they can win by two scores. Uh, how about Boise State and UCF? Battle of the two best group of five programs. Uh, the game is in Central Florida. They're both uh, both teams are unranked, believe it or not. Central yeah. Florida, five and a half point favorite. Gus Miles on. His debut at UCF. Bo, what are we thinking here? Five and a half. Is that too much on the uh, on Central Florida? I'm taking Boise. I'm taking Boise. I I, I give Gus, Gus Malzahn a little bit of time. I think I like Boise plus points here. Okay, let me rephrase that. I give me Boise in the five and a half. It's just a little too wide a spread. I think this game's close. I think it's probably pretty high scoring. Um. I just don't have a good feel for either team right now. So give me the points um, and do that that way. I just – first game, UCF with Malzahn. And I'm interested to see what happens with Gus Malzahn at Central Florida. Because I think he's a good coach. I think that – I'm interested to see if we see the Gus Malzahn that's creative. If we see creative Gus Malzahn with his offense, then I can see Central Florida becoming something really, really good. Well, and we've seen, you know, coaches leave as of late. Scott Frost, um, you know, Josh Heupel. Yeah. When UCF, not not if, but when they make the move to the Big 12, are they going to keep Gus? Are they going to, you know, pay him the money to keep Gus around? Or is Gus another guy that's just there for a short term? I think that remains to be seen, you know, in all this. Are they going to be in the Big 12? Is that what's going to happen? That's what's going to happen, yes. Um I got UCF here. I think they got better athletes than Boise State. I got them winning and covering five and a half. Uh, K-State and uh, Stanford, this game in Manhattan. Bo, K-State at two and a half. This feels like a toss-up game. I, I don't feel great about either team. I don't think either team's going to have a big year. I don't either. Um, I did. I don't either, and that's why I went ahead and took Stanford plus the points. Just, I, I figured a toss-up game. I'll take the dog if I can get a two and a hook. I, I just figure this is close, and I don't have a good feel for either team. So I'll take the smart kids. <laughs> I'll take K State. I'll take the home team yeah. based on I, I don't blame different logic here. Yeah, I just think that it's the home. Yeah, I can see taking the home team, and it's less than a field goal. I can see that. I just, I also kind of want to differentiate my picks from others. Possibly, I figure we have a lot of K State people people taking K State in this game. So if I'm right, I get an extra game on everybody. There you go. So, so there's our no good feel on that one at all. So there's our picks for this week. Uh, we're both going Georgia, Bama, Indiana, and uh, Louisiana, as well as Notre Dame and LSU. But where we differ, I got Wisconsin, you got Penn State. We both got North Carolina. I got UCF, you got Boise State. I got K-State, you got Stanford. So there you have it. Those are our picks for this week. Let's go ahead and 
uh, wrap up the college football discussion with uh, playoff and Heisman picks. Uh, playoff for me, Bo, I like the AP top four as is. Give me Alabama, Oklahoma, Ohio State, and Clemson with Oklahoma winning it all. Give me your uh, playoff and uh, national championship pick. Every year, one of the playoff teams comes from outside the 15, the top 15. So I'm taking number 15. Uh, I looked at the AP poll. I tell you what I like. I like Bama. Um, I like Ohio State. I like USC out West. I like Georgia as the fourth team. So you have Oklahoma missing the playoff. I do. Yeah, I'm losing one game. I just I I, I think USC is going to run something there in the, the Pac-12. I got Ohio State, Bama, and Georgia. I I it's Oklahoma or USC to me. I'm just taking USC to be a little different. I, I went for that. I need a team outside the 15. And I didn't want to take LSU because I'm not being that big a homer. So I, that's why I went USC over Oklahoma purely because there's going to be one team outside that top 12 that gets in. One mm-hmm. team's going to rise above. I see what USC has been doing the last couple of years. They're talented. I like them. I think they're going to run the table in the, in the, big, in the uh, Pac-12. And I think a, an undefeated Pac-12 champ can get in. Um, USC does have to play Notre Dame. Um, I'll be at that game. And they have BYU on their schedule. But They'll win that game, too. Really, it's manageable uh, at that point. You know, yeah, their, biggest, their biggest rivals, the biggest games are going to be winning the game um, against UCLA. And I think UCLA, it's just a rival game. They're going to play big for USC and the Notre Dame game. And I think that I'll actually, like I said, I'm going to be in attendance. It's a, it's a night game at Notre Dame. And I think that I think that's what thrusts USC up higher as well. And I think they're going to go to Notre Dame and play really, really well. Uh, how about Heisman? Uh, I'll stay on the OU front. Give me Spencer Rattler to win the Heisman. Okay. Who you got? I'm taking JT Daniels from Georgia. I think you see a little Ooh. thing coming here, don't you? Okay. I'm picking Georgia as the national champion as well. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. I think that uh, I think Georgia beats Bama. You just yeah. picked Alabama to win the national title a few no, I just threw a curveball at you. you no, I, I, I know what I was doing. I know okay. how this thing – hey, I got my own podcast. I know how okay. this works now. It's called a spurt. Okay. You changed <laughs> your mind in 15 minutes. Okay. No, I actually wrote this down. Um, I like Georgia, um, and I like JT Daniels. He's a hell of a player. I think that – I just didn't want to go pick Alabama. I didn't want to pick one of the Alabama players. It's hard for Alabama players to win, a, win the Heisman because – have to be the one dominant one. I mean, we just saw it this past year where you could have just chosen any of them. Um, and they're going to have the same problem this year. They're going to have three in the top five, or three in the top six. But um, I, I think if JT Daniels plays extremely well, which I think he will, and I think that they get to a championship or they win the SEC, I think it's going to be really hard to not pick them. If yeah. I can. All right, let's move on to uh, the NFL, the uh, National Football League. And the 53-man rosters are set. The most notable news, Cam Newton out in New England after he was projected to be the starting quarterback for so long. Not only is he not the starter and Mac Jones is, but he's out of a job. And many people thought it was due to not being vaccinated of why they went ahead and cut him. Uh, we heard from Bill Belichick. He said that's not the case. Brian Hoyer also got cut. So now it's 
uh, Mac Jones and Jared Stidham as the two quarterbacks in New England. Bo, what do you make of what's went down? I know that Mac Jones has played really well here, but well, do you like they, the decision to move on from Cam altogether? Well, I, my guess is that it, it takes away the quarterback controversy issue and to say, hey, he's the kid. He's going to go. He's who we want. And they feel good enough about um, about Mac Jones to, to make him the day one starter. And if they do, then it's it's probably the right decision. It's the right decision to cut Cam Newton if you are that ready to play Mac Jones. If you were going to play him in week five or week six, you might as well make, make, make it week one. Um, the reason for keeping Cam would have been to play this season and sit Mac Jones. So, you know, they're putting all their eggs in that basket. They think he's they, they think he's Tom Brady. They do. Mm-hmm. They obviously do. Um, I'm a Cam Newton guy. I like Cam Newton. Me too. I always have. And I think that I feel bad for Cam Newton because I think he's a really, really good quarterback. I, he's a borderline. He's had a great career. He's the guy who won't make the Hall of Fame most likely now. I think if he'd have not had the injury issues and how he was handled early in his career, he'd have been healthier. But um, I think he's just one of those – I feel bad for Cam. And I wonder where he's going to land. I think there's a lot of speculation on that. He can be a good fit in a lot of different places. I think part of the thing also is the locker room. You know, if you've got, sorry, my phone went off there. Um, I think if you've got Cam Newton in your locker room, the problem is that he's a leader. He's someone you look to, and you don't want your backup quarterback to be the leader of the offense. You need your starting quarterback to be. Mm-hmm. So it's just as much for that part as it is anything else. Right. Um, and with Cam now, looks like he's going to be a backup somewhere. He's 32 years old. We're not that far removed from him being the MVP and playing in a Super Bowl here. Do you think Cam can have a resurgence? Do you think he can be a backup and be a starter again, or is this the end of the road for Cam? I don't think it's the end of the road. I think he signs somewhere. I, whether that be, we've heard Dallas. Um, I think the Raiders is a good fit. Um, I'll tell you a place that I think Washington is a really great fit for him. I think the issue there is that he's unvaccinated and you have the coach who, uh, Ron Rivera having, um, having gone through cancer treatments that he, they're trying to be extra careful in that organization, but a reunion with Ron Rivera makes a lot of sense for me with Cam Newton. I think if he's willing to take the jab and willing to do that, I think that'd be a really good fit for him because he'd have a chance to be the starter there. Well, and I know that Belichick says that they did not make this decision based on who is vaccinated or not, but you hear Urban Meyer say that that was a, a reason why they cut yep. some players and such. I mean, I mean that's the reality. We've talked about this for months, Bo, that yep. you know, when you look at some of these roster spots, that's how it was going to be, that you know, these guys, um, your jobs are, are – can be dependent on this. I mean, there there is no problem whatsoever. Teams have to cover their ass and do what's in their best interest here. I, I don't blame them one bit if they chose one guy over another for being vaccinated. I really don't either. And, and you know, I'm one of those guys who has said, hey, man, get the jab, get it done. And the reason it's important in these cases is that now the NFL has the rule. If you have a COVID outbreak and you can't fill the team because of COVID issues, you're going to forfeit that game. This is going to happen. I'm not saying that it's going to be a forfeit, but it's going to happen where if all things are even, 
player who is, who's vaccinated staying because it's just less likely. These are all numbers games when it's all said and done. And that's, again, putting that in your in – your, if you're a borderline player, if you're trying to make a roster, you better be vaccinated. Mm-hmm. So how about Mac Jones? Now he's the starter, and his odds have jumped up to fourth highest to be rookie of the year. What do you think about Mac? I mean, I know that you weren't a fan of him coming out. He's played well. Belichick's high on him. Yeah. Do you think that he can take New England to the playoffs potentially? I don't think that their roster is good enough. I mean, it's hard to bet against Bill Belichick. I mean, let's be frank. I mean, he's in the echelon, the topest, tip, tippy topest echelon of great coaches of all time. Um, but it, so it's hard to bet against him. I'm just not that sold on him, but I'm not there watching him every day either. So I get it. If Belichick feels good about it, that's great. It could also mean that Belichick's thinking, hey, we're an eight-win or nine-win team. I mean, we've both talked about how much we gleam over that same division. We love the Dolphins. You know, we don't like the quarterback really as much as the rest of the roster, but the Patriots roster isn't as good as other rosters in the same division. Mm -hmm. They're not the favorite in their division. Even if Mac Jones is rookie of the year, they're not the favorite over Buffalo. No. I mean, I think I would take the Dolphins over them right now, even with not 100% certain. I'd rather have Tua right this moment than I would Mac Jones. Me too. doesn't mean I think the same way next season. I don't know. But, I mean, I know what I, you know what you got. So, I mean, I, I maybe there's a pragmatic part of that. I think also the NFL, we're going to see in the AFC, there's a lot of teams that are going to be on that bubble for the playoffs. This is not going to be a same – you know, seven or eight teams in the playoffs. We're going to see some other teams in there, and we're going to see some teams ascend and descend this year. The AFC is brutal. It is. Superior. The AFC is is deep. It's one to ten, where the NFC is probably one to four. It feels like what the Western Conference has been to the Eastern Conference in the NBA. Very well put. Yes. Other rookies to watch for. We mentioned with Mac going to number four on betting odds. Who do you like to, to be potentially rookie of the year? I got a name that's a little off the wall, but I want to hear you. your name first. I haven't seen the betting odds, so let me hear your name here. Okay, this guy is not even top five in odds, but I think that he's going to have a big year. He's got a good O line in front of him. Um, I think Najee Harris is a good pick to be rookie of the year. The Steelers yeah. are going to need to run the football if Big Ben's going to be able to get through the regular season. Um, go back to those Steeler ways of, of running the ball, being a, a run-first team. Um, and we know that they have some of the weapons offensively to pass the football. They're going to look to open up the run game to open up the pass game. I think Najee Harris is a sneaky good pick to be rookie of the year. He's in my top 22 running backs for fantasy football. You can't see him now because you're in my league. Najee Harris is 10. Yeah. Really big a really good pick he's he's behind a good offensive line they can't throw the football as much as they'd like to an old quarterback i mean it's i think it's a really good pick um you know i think mac jones i mean quarterbacks are always going to have you know you look at if, if mac jones he's going to have a chance to be in rookie of the year trey lance will get it an opportunity uh, as soon as he's out there on the field uh, he's looked great the preseason um you know uh the player that i think is maybe the, one of the best two or three players from the draft was 
Jamar Chase, but I don't think he'll win rookie of the year just because I don't think he'll have that huge stat line. They're going to be spreading the ball over the field. So um, they're in Cincy. So, I mean, I, I'm not a good prognosticator of awards. I'll, I'll say that up front, but uh, rookie of the year, that's a really, really solid pick, actually. Yeah. Um, so, so if you had to take one name, though, who would you take? Hmm. Give me half a second. Here. I don't think Trevor Lawrence has the weapons in Jacksonville around him. I agree with you on that. Although he's my favorite rookie of this class. And is he, is he the odds-on favorite, I assume? Yes, he is. Okay. You mean the top five? Do you, you have the favorites in front of you? Um, it's Lawrence one, Zach Wilson two, uh, Trey Lance th- – or, or uh, Justin Fields three, uh, and then four is Mac Jones, five Trey Lance. I think I would go Justin Fields. If I had to bet a dollar, I think that's where I'd go. Now, here's something interesting about some of the guys we mentioned. Mac Jones – Starting week one means he will face Brady week four for Brady's homecoming. Yeah. Justin Fields doesn't look like, as of right now, he's starting week one. They're going to go with Andy Dalton and not going to make him go up against Aaron Donald and Miles Garrett week three and such. Um, Does that – if we don't see Justin Fields till week four, can he still be rookie of the year? Uh, Maybe. I mean, I'm just looking at who's in the best situation. I – I mean, the best situation probably is Mac Jones, but I don't understand what the, what the Bears are doing. I mean, they, they need to be putting Justin Fields out there on the field. Um, I don't think I don't think Andy Dalton's long for this starting quarterback world. Yeah. yeah. Uh, last thing for you, Hard Knocks. What a terrible season this has been. Worst season ever. Worst. I, the best thing on Hard Knocks is that little boy. A little boy's been cute. Uh, other than that, I've had zero use. And I was excited when it was the Dallas Cowboys. This used excited. to be the best show on television. It, you know what? And I, and I hate the Dallas Cowboys. And I was like, oh, Jerry going to give it to us, though. Jerry is going to give it to us. He's been boring as shit, too. Sucking up to the Whataburger people. Look, I love Whataburger. We love I know Whataburger. that they're our sponsor here with us as well. I love me some Whataburger. But here's why Jerry Jones is sucking up to him. Because on week one, he's sitting here with a McGriddle and a load of salt. Uh, no, I mean, that was the most interesting thing on the whole thing was, I mean, we had to watch Jerry get on a helicopter three times this past week. I don't care about this. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott is basically a child. Dak Prescott's trying to be a grown-ass man, and Ezekiel Elliott's acting like a child running around. Um, I There has been – it has not been interesting. Well, but I mean, that's just – I get why they chose the Cowboys. If you can have the Cowboys, why wouldn't you? Yeah. But they've been boring. It, it's been very disappointing. Yeah. Usually yeah. – hard feels Knox too has much that, PR for the Cowboys. Yeah. Usually, Hard Knocks has that one player that's, like, trying to make the team, and they end up making the team. You know, like, the, the team says, hey, this player's on the boat, but they're going to probably make it. And it's interesting. Like when the Chiefs, the Chiefs were on, they had the two players. Um, you know what I'm talking about? I can't years. remember. It's been I, so long. But it was interesting. They followed those guys. The guys were fun. Um, you know, I just 
they could have chosen better teams. Mm-hmm. This has been boring. My favorite season of recent memory was the Browns. Hmm. I'd have to do some thinking. I don't – I really like the year – and I'm not a Chiefs fan, but I thought the Chiefs year was a good one. It's been a while back. Um, was it the Raiders last year? Um, the uh, the Raiders was either last year or the year before, but that was yeah. a terrible season. It, yeah, but it had Gruden. And I yeah. like Gruden. All things Gruden. The other – the other part is that Mike McCarthy is so boring. Yes. I mean, you need a coach who's going to choose somebody out once in a while. I mean, how about like after the game, he gives the worst speeches. No wonder they, they play so uninspired. Uninspired. I mean, if you look at that team and think that's a team that can actually win some games and do some damage this year, you're just dead wrong. No wonder Aaron Rodgers hated that guy. Oh my God. I, I see why Aaron Rodgers doesn't like him. Oh, God. It's, he's an awful coach. That team's not going to be great. I mean, they're going to be an average NFL team. Mm-hmm. And it's too bad. They've got a couple of really good pieces. Dak Prescott's a hell of a player. Yeah. You know, I really like the receivers. I like Cooper, and I like um, – Lamb. C.D. Lamb. Oh, man. If I could take any player off their roster, it'd be C.D. Lamb. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's incredible. But you just got this look like – that team doesn't look good. No. They don't look fun at all. Not at all. No, they look, they're just all there to make Jerry some more money. Bo, we got to run. We'll yeah. uh, chat with you next week. We got college football games to recap, break down, and look ahead to week one of the NFL season. Cowboys yeah. and Bucks a week from today. We'll look forward to it. He's Brian O'Connor. You can catch him on the Coach Bo Knows podcast, available for download each and every Monday and Friday. Also, O'Connor Advisory Group, OAGKS.com, O'Connor Advisory Group.com as hey, well. Hey, next Monday's podcast, episode two, we've got a great interview with Carl Heinrich, the uh, commissioner of the Jayhawk Conference, and we get into all sorts of sports. It's not just football. We get into his whole career, and it's going to be fun, and uh, you get a lot of good info on that. So give us a shout. Give us a try. We'll be your flavor vodka. Don't worry. We'll figure it out. We want to be your partner. We'll yeah. see you then. Appreciate the time, Bo. Thanks for joining us. Hey, thank you, Tyler. Have a good night. Big thanks to Bo for joining us here on the Jones Report. Tyler Jones, Thomas Bridges back here with you now. A couple more things before we wrap up. We'll have our Tom Fullery story of the week in just a moment. But adding to the NFL discussion that we talked about there, uh, some of the notable cuts besides Cam Newton that, uh, that went on in the NFL. Here's some of the names uh, Bashad Perryman, wide receiver for the Lions. That's a guy, Tom, that could be somebody's number two receiver. He is that talented. I know the Lions are a bit of a mess right now, and they're in total rebuild mode of sorts uh, under Dan Campbell. But Perryman is going to be a good find for somebody, I think. And, uh, I mean, he could very well still be on a roster for week one next week. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's uh, you know, I, I that would be a good, you know, if anybody needs a you know, in the a pretty solid wideout altogether, I, that'd be a great get in my opinion. Well, and actually, he uh, he just signed with the Bears. The Bears, the Bears, oh. that's exactly what the Bears needed. Yeah, give uh, old Andy Dalton some help in Week One versus the Rams, and I, that's a that's a, another thing you're talking about cuts. How long? until Andy Dalton's holding the clipboard 
cut from the starting position. Now, are we saying just cut from the roster or until uh, until he's the backup? Until he's the backup. Um, I mean, he should be the backup right now, but I think Nagy is going to hold out until he uh, plays till, – till about week four. I don't think they want to throw fields out there against uh, – against Aaron Donald week one and Miles Garrett week three. I don't think it's the right call because you play tough guys every single week in this league, but I think that's what they're looking at. They don't want to get, they got, they saw that uh, video of fields getting lit up when, even though he said the game didn't play as fast as he thought. They said, well, we're going to hold him out against Aaron Donald and <laughs> Miles Garrett. Yeah, you know, maybe that's not the worst decision. Let Andy Dalton get the brunt of the CTE. Oh, yeah. Um, now, where, where I do fault the Bears is, okay, you bring in Perryman, right? Um, you have your future quarterback in fields. You got a quarterback that's on the hot seat, or a head coach that's in the hot seat, rather, in Matt Nagy. Um, the Bears made the playoffs last year with a pretty average to below average quarterback in Trubisky. You should have the expectations to make the postseason. You owe it to your team and your fans to put the best product out there. I would go ahead and play fields right away and give yourself the best chance to win. I mean, that's just me. Yeah, I would too. I mean, especially since you're on the hot seat, you know, you need to get every game you can, you know, I, the Vikings, I think, are going to be a tough beat. Um, you know, I think the Packers will be just fine. Um, and, you know, you're going to be fighting for a wild card most likely. Uh, so you got to get every game you can. Yeah. Not to mention you're playing the Rams week one. Uh, you know, Rams will be right there too. Um, you know, you, you got to I, – I, there's no time to be conservative here. Another uh, free agent that was caught, uh, the 49ers let go of ha-ha Clinton Dix. Uh, Clinton Dix started out great in his career early on with the Packers, 28 years old at that safety spot. And you look at the Chiefs, Tom, this is a team that is still planning to go with Dan Sorensen. He's not vaccinated. He's the one player on the Chiefs that's not vaccinated. Um, I have said for a long time, Juan Thornhill needs to be their guy. If I were the Chiefs, it's not going to happen. But what I would do, if you're still hesitant on one Thornhill with his health and such, I'd take ha-ha Clinton Dix any day over Dan Sorensen. If I were the Chiefs, I would cut Dan Sorensen right now and bring in ha-ha Clinton Dix and let him and Juan Thornhill duke it out for that safety spot. Yeah, I think you're right. And, 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 you know, for those of you listening, if you didn't know now or if you didn't know before, you know now, Tyler and and somewhat I don't have anything against the man, but Tyler's got enough hate for the man more so than I do. For he's got enough hate for us both that we are an anti Dan Sorensen podcast. Yes, yes we are. Uh, Dan Sorensen is public enemy number one. For about every one good play, he's got about five bad plays. <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> it's it's so pitiful to watch, and then. He, he puts up such these big plays when it does happen that he fools people into thinking, wow, he's a really good player. He's one of the best Chiefs defensive players. No, you idiots. Do you watch him the other plays when he's screwing up? My God. 
Jones has it out for Dan Sorensen. The season hasn't even started yet, and I'm already going after Dan Sorensen. You're already at the man's throat. <laughs> I don't even cover – I don't cover the Chiefs anymore. Uh, so I feel like I can really unleash on Dan Sorensen. I was hard on him before. Now I feel like I got to make it my mission to make fun of him and call him out every single week now, Tom. Maybe we need like a, a, a segment of the uh... – uh, I don't know the 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 trouble with Dan. I don't know segment every week sponsored by Chad Henney Hennessy. What that's the most that you know we want to talk about cuts and who's on what roster is Henney still with the Chiefs? He has to be. He is still the Chiefs' backup quarterback. Perfect. Okay, I'm making sure he didn't go anywhere. He won a playoff game last year. He did. He did. Uh, you know. How long before he's before he's poached by a team? All right. Um, the uh, Cowboys let go of uh, Garrett Gilbert and uh, the the Italian Ben Denucci, and you look at where they're at. Cooper Rush is expected to be the backup right now, but we haven't really seen much of Cooper Rush. Dak coming off an injury and such. Uh, I, I think the Cowboys would be mistaken if they don't go to the free agent market to go find somebody, whether it's Cam or a Jake Fromm or somebody. Uh, I'd be I'd be surprised if in a few more weeks Cooper Rush is still quarterback number two in, uh, in Dallas. Uh, they, they need a, a nice safety net with knowing uh, Dax coming off this injury and everything, Tom. Yeah, Cooper Rush is my public enemy number one. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> We don't, we don't, we don't like to mention where what school he went for that 2015 game. Um, so I would like to see, I'd like to see Cam. You know, I hate the Cowboys, but I, I like Cam Newton. Um, I'd like to see him go somewhere and be able to somewhat compete for a spot. I don't think, I think he'd be a good backup in in Dallas. I don't think he's going to be able to compete with Dak. But who knows? Coming off that injury, uh, you know. You, some of these some of these injuries, Jones, you just don't know, right? Any tweak, any, you know, any anything could happen. Um, and, you know, if Dallas – you know, the, the shame about this season, Jones, in my opinion, Dallas Cowboys can literally not go 8-8 eight eight anymore. Yeah, they're going to either it's, go – It's impossible. 8-9 eight eight. or 9-8. and eight. That actually – I like this, that there's an odd number now. No one will be 500. Right. I mean, well, I guess what would it be if there was a tie? I guess if there was a tie, you could still go eight, eight and one. Yeah, you could do that. What I guess would still put you, you, you would still technically be at 500 then, right? Right. That's the only way possible. Dallas is going eight, eight and one. Book it. I wonder Please. how much, how much, if you could bet on the record, if you could put $100 down, I wonder what would be the line. I wonder what you would win. Yeah, I don't want. I'm not rooting for any ties, though. Um, no, neither am I. But for Dallas, it would be really funny if they were the only team this year that went eight, eight and one on the right. first year. That was technically or somewhat impossible. <laughs> Book it. Dallas is eight, eight and one. I forgot that you had nightmares of Cooper Rush and uh, that performance he had at Central Michigan against OSU. That that yeah, I need to go. I gotta go throw up. I gotta go brush my teeth. What are you going to do if Cooper Rush is out there against the Rams? I'd hope Iron Donald just buries him. 
<laughs> I hope they I hope they dig a you know, I hope they dig a six foot hole uh on the fifteen yard line. He drops back and Aaron just puts him right in right in the grave. No, I mean I don't hate Cooper Rush. I just hate the you know, I don't have any I don't I don't hate him like you hate Dan Sorensen. Uh first off, because he doesn't play. Uh, you know, he's you know, he's he's not out there doing anything. Were you there uh, that day when Cooper Rush? No, thank, thank God, thank God. <laughs> I would have drank myself into oblivion on on Washington Street in Stillwater. <laughs> uh, I was actually helping my dad roof my sister's house, and I thought the game was locked up. And I kind of finishing up watching the game. I'm like, okay, we got it, and I didn't really pay attention. And then I saw what happened, and uh, spent the rest of the day bitching on Twitter about it. <laughs> Oh, man, man. And the uh, best part about that, Mike Gundy, that whole season, you know, if they were like seven and four after, you know, at the end of the season, let's say they were seven and four, he would be like, yeah, we're, you know, had a pretty good season, eight and three. <laughs> it's just so casual with it. And if that game was bullshit, uh, that was, that game was more, almost as more bullshit than Oregon and OU, however many years ago that was. They even put it on their rings, the record that Gundy indicated, too, on their bowl. After the bowl game, they yes. should. They should. That game was trash. I, um, I would, one I more for play you. Central Michigan again. I want OSU to play them again. One more for you on the cuts, Tom. Uh, did you see Lamar Jackson got cut? Yeah, that would, you know, if it was the right Lamar Jackson to put my fantasy team in jeopardy before week one. It's the Lamar Jackson cornerback for the Jets uh, that went to Nebraska. Not the Lamar Jackson many of you were thinking of. Not that one. That sounds like a bad week for him. Uh, oh, by the way, we mentioned the Lions with them letting go of a Perryman. They let go of both their kickers. Isn't that wild? I mean, I thought for one second, okay, is Campbell really going to go without a kicker? Like, I almost salute that. Like, okay, sweet. No field goals. Uh, They're going for it on fourth down every time. That's that's a football guy right there, and and Dan Campbell's already the ultimate football guy. And then they ended up picking up Austin Seibert off waivers, and I'm like, really? I mean, you you chose the most unlikable OU kicker of all time. I mean, he. I mean, I'll be. I probably shouldn't say this, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna say it anyway. I mean, Austin Seibert's just a little bitch. <laughs> yeah, I mean. Uh, I'm surprised Baker didn't keep him around in Cleveland. Who's Cleveland's kicker now? Even um, well, he was la he last played for the Bengals. He got cut by the Browns a couple years ago. What? Wait, okay. Which OU kicker plays for the for the Browns? It was Cybert. It was, but he got oh. cut. Uh, the Browns kicker now uh, is uh, Chase McLaughlin. Never heard of him from Illinois. I bet he's still better than I, I bet he's still better than Austin Cyber. Yeah. <laughs> so there's our enemy list: is uh, Dan Sorensen, Cooper Rush, Austin Cyber. There you go. You got the 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 most unlikely trio of people. <laughs> no one wants to be in a room with those guys. You know, everybody usually hates, like, uh, you know, some people back in the day hated Richard Sherman. Uh, you know, other people like myself dislike Baker Mayfield. Uh, you know, 
I don't really dislike Baker anymore. I almost picked him on my fantasy team, but I couldn't bring myself to put an OU player on my fantasy team. But um, that being said, that's a, a very unlikely trio. You're not going to find that trio anywhere else. It's one of a kind. <laughs> it is. They should be sponsored by Dr. Pepper because they are truly one of a kind. Um, how about that? Before we get out of here today, time for our Tom Fullery story of the week. Tom, where shall we head to this time? Jones, uh, we're getting weird this week. You know, last week, last week, I feel like we talked about, we talked about a naked man floating down the river. A naked man. God bless America. A naked man. You know, we're getting a little bit weird. I think this is weirder. Uh, this might be one of the weirdest ones. This might, this is, the, I don't know. I, there we've done some pretty weird Tom Fuller's. This one's up there. This is the New York Post reads, uh, infamous man who married his sex doll is in love with an ashtray now like an ashtray where you you flick your ash from a cigarette or cigar in uh that's that's strange article reads this I, and you know what maybe we uh I'd, I'd like to go back and see if we did the story of him marrying a sex doll maybe not but i would <laughs> they even have a video of the wedding what in the and there's people there uh there's no way I, I'm in trance. Jones, did you, you sent me this article. Did you watch the little clip at the beginning? I did not. No. All right. We got to, we got to live react to that. Click that link and just watch that while I read this. Okay. That, I'm, I am enamored with that. Uh, this kinky beefcake is proof that love is strange or at least very, or at the least, very a very viral thirst trap yuri takalako who infamously married his specially designed sex doll margo last november in a wedding ceremony attended by dozens of guests has found a new love match a giant ashtray he wants to adorn with an artificial vagina where did the pansexual 36 year old hairball of muscle meet his bizarre new love at the club of course Although the proudly bald social media star from Kazakhstan noticed the ashtray a while ago, he claimed it was only when he arranged a photo shoot with the butt receptacle. Oh, well, that's a good pun, New York Post. The NY Post, hats off to you. Uh, he claimed it was only when he arranged a photo shoot with the butt receptacle during a paid personal appearance at the venue that he discovered he had feelings for it goodbye fleshy lifelike silicone this daring dude is into some hardcore hell now uh there is a quote from always been alive for me it's really not the same as a person these are completely different feelings this is akin to how a violinist can love his violin which is 300 years old i liked it the smell of it the touch of metal on my skin it's fantastic he proudly declared to jam press I like the touch of sharp metal on my skin. It excites me, so I think you can understand what attracts me to this ashtray. Rumor has it, Taco met his new love while estranged from his sex doll wife, Mark, with whom his marital bond was reportedly broken sometime last year. He tied the knot with his dearly beloved sex doll. He dated for eight months before proposing in November 2020. Uh, Takalako also claimed he's been dating his ashtray for a couple months now. And while his new love, let's call it AT, shall we, is older, he's a he's of the age ain't nothing but a number mindset. 
I generally like things with history, Takalago said. I love that this is not a new ashtray. It has contact with a really large number of people. Uh, AT, that's what they're using for ashtray. Also helps him satisfy one secret fetish for dirty stuff, he admitted. When I hugged it and pulled out cigarette butts, cigarette packs, and all sorts of stuff, I liked it, he said. I liked it when the ashes stained my bare feet, body, and beard. Uh, this is a lot longer article than this should be. Just because he fell hard and fast, he's not expecting Ashtray to give up the hard-earned career. I want to bring this Ashtray home, but it's looking room. After all, this is what I love times. Still, he's not ruling out taking it to the girlfriend's stage with Ashtray and plans to maybe even replenish my harem. However, he's also planning to take the big plunge by gifting a tea with an artificial sex orifice. <laughs> Jack, <laughs> This is this is stupid. It's too this much. Is not even Tom Fuller. This is downright stupid. This I'd like to smack this man. I'd like to smack this man with an ashtray. There, this Jones. There's like like twelve more paragraphs. I'm not even gonna object y'all to the rest of that. Shit. He has 108,000 Instagram followers. I'm looking at his page right now. I gotta see if he has a. I gotta see where this has progressed. Man, you know. I've always been of the belief, Tom, that everyone should find their own happiness, whatever makes them happy. But this, to me, just might be a bridge um, this too This is for money. Yes. What in the world? All right, y'all. If you're listening, you just got to go look up this Instagram, Yuri Takalog. I'm going to just spell it out. Y-U-R-I-I underscore T-O-L-O-C-H-K-O. Uh, not safe for work so far. Uh, and I'm working from home today. So uh, I'm, I'm safe for now. Um, you know, this is, this is so stupid. Jones, I'm sending this to you on Instagram right now. This is, I don't even know what to say. He, he talks, okay, you know, a little update here. He talks about loving this ashtray. He's seen hugging this ashtray. It's not one that sits on a table. It's more like a, it's like one that sits on the floor, um, which is what? Good Lord. What What the fuck? Honestly, these are the people you take out back. <laughs> I'm sorry. What in the world? And the, the worst part about it, the worst part about this whole thing is in the next one after this man is, I don't, golly, I got to have some eye bleach after this, supposedly banging this ashtray. Um, then you see him in the other pictures with a different sex doll than his first one. I don't know what to say here. So he's cheating on his sex doll. So what have we... What have we come to? It is his Instagram post. Uh, this is a big ashtray in a smoking room in the club. At first, I just arranged a photo shoot with it, but then it began to attract me. Um, what in the world? I got the comments on this post. Someone, the first comment, definitely jealous of the ashtray. What in the world? A lot of hearts and a lot of funny laughs. Uh, this is this painful. is uh, this is bad. 
Oh, come on. Where's the translation? A lot of it, like I said, he's from Kazakhstan, so it's a lot. Uh, you know, I don't... Maybe I'm uncultured. I don't know the national language of Kazakhstan. Kazakh? I'm going to guess. Can, uh, if you can love an ashtray, when does it end? What can't you... What? I, you know, maybe this man's just full of love. He's dishing it out. Um, I mean, you've seen the movie Anchorman. When Brooks says, I love lamp... Um, this is like a whole nother level compared to Brick's love of lamp. Yeah, this is okay. So, what if you know, what if you they talks about this, this ashtray, you know, in the club? I've seen many, I've been in many clubs and seen many ashtrays, um, you know, and cigar ashtrays or even cigarette ashtrays. There's a little, there's a little usually a little slot where you like can sit your cigarette or cigar in it, you know, with the kind of like the, the butt hanging out of the mouth while the body of the cigarettes kind of hanging over the ash pit. If this man's been banging this ashtray and then puts the ashtray back in the club and you're just, you know, smoking a cig or cigar and you put your cigar down on where this man's just been going to town on what That's too much. Uh, yeah, this is this is maybe the strange. You know, I, at first reading the title, I thought Jones that we've had a strange one. This might be the most strange. This I really do case. think. Yeah, the, I don't even know how to end on that. I'm always willing to, be to honest, give people I don't, the benefit I don't know. of the doubt. There's no now. transition. I'm always willing to give people the benefit of the doubt. Here, like, I, I can't justify this behavior under any circumstance this is just weird yeah i don't i don't i don't have any words for it. i don't even know what to tell you is there an inanimate object that you love at all tom uh you know after a long hard day at work i love a nice cold beer bottle um <laughs> and i love it until it's empty and then i put it in the trash um but other than that no I don't love it like this man loves this ashtray. I you I'm not you saw it. You saw this man uh putting his cigar in the ashtray. <laughs> that's how I'm gonna end it. I think that's a good place to end it before we say something we regret. What a show today. Big thanks to Ryan Fowler for stopping by, Coach Bo as well. Uh here on the Jones Report. As always, you can subscribe to the show. On Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, leave us a five-star review or don't leave us one at all. Follow us on Facebook, Studio Soapbox, Tyler Jones Live. Also on Twitter, Studio underscore Soapbox, Tyler Jones Live, Thomas underscore Bridges. And Instagram, Jones underscore Report, Tyler Jones Live, Instant Thomas. You can find us there. And we'll see you right back here next week. And don't forget, Coach Bo's show is out. Every Monday and Friday, he's got a new episode coming out tomorrow, the 1.5 show. And uh, so be looking forward to that. And also the uh, Let's Go Racing show with uh, David Starr. Uh, got a new episode out this week and another one coming out on Wednesday as well. So check those out when you get a chance. In addition to this show, all a part of the Studio Soapbox Network. Tom, uh, we are the soaps. Uh, we we, we got to get like a soap sponsored now. Dove, you mentioned before Irish Spring. Uh, if you're out there connected with uh, a soap company, holla. I like bar soap myself.
you know, I don't mind. You know, I think we should get like with the local soap maker. Is there an Omaha soap? Or I know that there's a there's a I'll send you their Instagram. There's an Oklahoma soap company. I they have a funny name. Maybe we can get the uh, based in Tulsa. Maybe we can get the Pioneer Woman or something to give us some soap. Oh no, wouldn't that be? Oh man, some partner with the Pioneer Woman. Maybe her Marble Man could partner up with the Tom Fullery guy on the Asteroid deal. Oh gosh. I don't even know what to I say. I think it's called. I think get there it is. Jones will partner up with Soaplahoma. Soaplahoma. You know, I need. I need to go wash my hands with soap after that last Tom Fuller segment. I think that's a good idea. We'll uh, we'll wash away the end of today's show. See you right back here next week for Thomas Bridges on Tyler Jones. Sing so long. Thanks for joining us here on the Jones Report.